Welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on April the 30th, 2019. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me, as always, the best birthday present I've ever received. Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we're going to be having the April monthly game club, which is Stardew Valley. We're going to be discussing our next game club game. We're going to be talking about the Sonic movie trailer that dropped. A The U.S. lobbyist banned from EVE Online was found innocent. Notch has been excluded from Minecraft Anniversary for, quote, comments and opinions. The fan-funded Skyrim multiplayer mod may never release as devs, quote, don't owe the community anything. We will discuss our next game night on Community Corner and have a Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Good evening, Rage. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, so I'm just going to go ahead and get this out of the way. Today's my birthday, <laughs> as in day of recording. Nobody like needs to send me any presents or anything, but that was where the, the birthday line came from. I was very happy at work today, actually. Almost no one realized it was my birthday, even though I've talked about it some before. Like, you know, a couple of people have asked me, and it's come up my age, because I'm in my late 20s, and in, a, I don't know, a relatively high up or professional position. I don't know exactly how to say it because I'm not like anybody's boss or anything. But whenever you think of a therapist or a counselor, you know, you typically think of someone older, I think, just based on like what popular culture has told us. And so everyone Uh, thinks... And also has a fixation with uh, with cigars. Indeed. Uh, But everyone thinks that I should be like in my 30s and they're like, how old are you? And I tell them and it's like, oh, you're just a baby. And I'm like, yeah, I get that around here. But anyways, I was very happy that a lot of people have forgotten. Because even though I've talked about it for like two minutes now, I typically don't like to make a big deal out of my birthday. And that's pretty much all I'm going to say about it and move swiftly on to uh, astute (laughs) listeners may have noticed that we didn't have any games played on the topics list this week. And that's because outside of Stardew Valley... We didn't really play anything. I played a little bit of... I mean, I did... Pl- oh, I said I did play a little bit of other things. Uh, yeah, my usual Warframe. And I did some playtesting on a mobile game, but I'm under an NDA for it. Yeah. That, that was a paid uh, playtest. That wasn't for me to do a review on or anything. Trust me. Uh, after they had the starter pack uh, pop up for the third time in 45 minutes, no. Mm-hmm. No. Right. Uh, and the fun part is they had a voice recording of me starting to get angry. <laughs> oh, fun. So, yeah, and then I i mean, I played a couple of other games this week, but it was either stuff that just I usually play with my kid, which here lately has been Lego Marvel, uh, Superheroes, and uh, Stardew Valley, which we'll get into. And then that, uh, what was it, Train Valley 2, the puzzle game I talked mm-hmm. about last week. And then I played a little bit of EVE Online. Well, if you want uh, more Lego games for them, there's a Humble Bundle going on right now that just launched. Ooh, I'll have to go check that out in a, later, either tonight or tomorrow. Uh, Harry Potter 1 through 4, uh, years 1 through 4, and Lego Batman for a dollar. So he would connect to Lego Batman. I'm not sure about Harry Potter. Cause he, I give him a couple years. Yeah. 
Because we actually have some Harry Potter Legos, and he doesn't really care. Because to him, they're just Legos. But the ones that we have that are Star Wars, and I've got a few superhero ones. Like, he knows superheroes, and he can identify quite a few of the Marvel superheroes, because we're a Marvel household here. Uh, so he, he gets on with those. But yeah, he doesn't really seem to care about Harry Potter. We've just never really and introduced what? it to him. And I think he's still a little too young to understand it. Mm-hmm. So. And let's see, there's uh, the second uh, Harry Potter game, uh, Lego Batman 2 DC Superheroes, the Lego movie for Beat the Average, and then uh, the pay, uh, the $12 one is Batman 3, uh, Lego uh, City Undercover, which is sort of a GTA Lego game, isn't it? And Lego World, so there you go. Yeah. Yeah, only Lego themed. And I mean, the Lego Marvel game has got an open world. Once you get past the first few missions, it turns into an open world game with like a big central hub. And there's some stuff that takes place in New York City and a couple other big locations. But, you know, it just serves as kind of a playground. And then you go on the specific missions. But yeah, I mean, that, that's the, the the games that I have been playing this week. Also, I had someone else check in with me about Eve after, I guess, after last week's podcast. So thanks again, everyone, for having my well-being in mind but so far i have not slacked up on any of my responsibilities either at work or at home and i still played stardew for quite a bit um we'll get into a couple of issues that i had with getting more playtime that aren't related to eve online when we get into game club but uh any anything else i guess before we get into game club uh not really i mean uh I played pretty hardcore for the last couple of weeks. Admittedly, I could have probably did a little bit more earlier in the month, but just, uh, well, you know, let's go ahead and get into Game Club so we could uh, talk about it. Indeed. For anyone who's just joining us for the first time ever and their first Game Club ever, uh, Rage and I typically have very different tastes in games, and even when we play the same games, our views often can be quite different. Game Club is a way for us to make sure that we actually play the same game at the same time and can talk about it at the same time. We announce it a month ahead and give our audience plenty of time to participate if they so choose, which we did have some audience participation this week, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, And then we we talk about it. Spoilers abound. Uh, You might not think of Stardew Valley as having a big story, and I don't know how big and important it is per se, but there is some story stuff, some events that we'll probably talk about that you might, you know, that could be spoiled for you based, you know, if you want to completely go into it without any idea of what to do and sort of learn the game as you go, which was how I approached the game. Um, there's a lot of wiki support for the game, which Jim mentions in his letter, and then mm-hmm. that I think you use the wiki quite a lot. Quite a lot. I, I used it a bit, but also uh, I had 25 hours and I put another 30 into it for the game club. Yeah. So I went into it. No, I shouldn't say knowing exactly what I'm doing, but knowing enough that I was able to complete a fair amount of the progression system uh, in my first, uh, well, two-thirds of a year. Yeah. So, uh, what, just for anyone who maybe doesn't know, what is Stardew Valley Rage? Uh, Stardew Valley is a life simulator slash farming simulator, uh, Harvest Moon-like, where you inherited a, a farm from your grandpa, who also happens to be Santa Claus for some reason. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. 
Uh, if you see the opening cutscene, you won't be able to unsee that now. By the way. <laughs> yeah, I've actually I've never I'll have to go back and rewatch it because I've never thought of it before. But as soon as you said it, I went, "Yeah, that makes sense. He does kind of look like Santa Claus in that cutscene." Anyway, you inherit uh, a dilapidated farm, and you have to build it up. And you also interact with the local community. It's a, a small village, so that's why I call it a Harvest Moon-like, where it has an RPG element uh, for your skills, but also as you progress uh, through the various uh, uh, seasons, you unlock more things to do and yeah, that's where it really uh, uh, more diverges from Harvest Moon, where it has a lot more to do. Where, uh, well, uh, go ahead and uh, you say uh, say something. Well, I mean, I was going to say, you know, <laughs> there are definitely many things to do in mm-hmm. this game. There's the traditional farming aspect, as in cultivate the land, grow crops, water them. Take them to market, air, you know, air quotes. I mean, you just have a sell box. You drop things in or you can go into town and sell them individually if you so choose. Um, but uh, there's that. There's an entire animal farming side to it where you can raise various livestock and get, you know, products from them to sell. There's fishing, which you can solely support yourself on. There's mining, which also is where the combat takes place. There's a very simple combat system in the game. Um, there's higher end products. What are, what are those called? Uh, artisan goods, artisan goods, which are things like, yeah, brewing beer or making, you know, taking something and combining it with something else to create a more valuable overall product, basically. Yeah. Typically with, uh, uh, some sort of production facility, uh, sort of a pseudo base builder. And I just dropped a picture of the opening cut scene in discord for you. Okay. Tell me that's not a green-suited Santa. No, Tell that's me. definitely green-suited Santa. Absolutely. Um, then there's the entire relationship system in the game. Uh, you can get married. Um, there's certain characters which you can. There's some characters that are not. Or, yeah, no. there's there's 12 total. There's uh, six boys and six girls. And each one has... Uh, well, all the different villagers also have different cutscenes based on your relationship with them. And all the... Uh, characters interact with one another as well uh, either in their cutscenes or in their day-to-day routines and the routines change uh, by the season and by the weather and uh, different holidays it's that's why i call it really life sim is that you're going into this uh, game and just going through the seasons as a farmer yeah and we'll we'll probably break down each of these a little bit more individually but i started out completely ignoring that system and then I started to get into it a little bit and it's a lot deeper than it first appears. Um, and I think that really describes this game overall, really. You start out the first few hours, your first week or so of in-game time. And I think the reason that this can be such a wicked heavy game is that there's not really much in the way of tutorials. There's a couple of like, well, a few basic missions that introduce you a few basic missions and things overall that introduce you into the very basics of the game. But otherwise, it's a big playground that you really don't have to do anything like on any, on any sort of specific timers. Like the game gives you like a three year, you know, at the end of three years, you basically get a grade or, you know, the ending 
whatever. Yeah, which you, you can, can uh, uh, get reevaluated later, so it's not even a uh, definite end. Right, but you can keep playing beyond that point, so there's really no time limit. There's no fail state that I'm aware of. Um, really, the only fail state is at the very beginning of the game where you don't have enough money to do stuff, and uh, you know you just don't uh, can't really progress in the mines to grab stuff. But even that's you know, more skill based than anything else. Yeah, and you could still spend time running around chopping down trees and things every day, selling the wood. I mean, there's not a lot of money to be made in that, even with the what was it called, the lumberjack perk. That gives yeah. you 50%. Uh, each of the cl- yeah, each of the skills has two sub-professions. At level 5, you choose a, a top-end skill, and then each one of those has two sub-skills later on. Like, yeah. uh, fishing may focus more on crab pots, which is something that you leave in the water and then come back to once a day. Or focus on catching fish actively with a rod and reel. Mm-hmm. And each one has their... Uh, perks uh, some of them are a lot better than others and some of them uh, the choice doesn't really matter yeah but there's also a way to respect later that you unlock in like year two or so uh, assuming that you're progressing at a decent uh, clip and uh, speaking of the progression system there's actually two different progression systems yeah there's two main progression systems and one of them uh is more along the lines of i think directive so there's like a little story beat that it introduces to you very early on there's this community center in the town that's very worn down well, well i would say even the opening cutscene is more important for the story as well as that you're you, know, you get willed this uh plot land by uh, your grandfather and you don't go to it immediately and uh and you're given a letter basically saying uh it, whenever you feel like life is beating you down too much uh, open this and you're working as a programmer in this uh, uh, just uh, overlord <laughs> uh, corporation scenario where every cubicle has a camera beating uh, down on you. Yeah. And you quit your job and you go to uh, the Stardew Valley to take up your, your life or your new life as a farmer. Yeah. Um, and and that's actually important for the progression systems. What do you mean that's actually important for the progression systems? What do you? It's the same uh, company. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's Joja Mart. Yeah, I noticed that. Um, yeah, totally not Walmart. <laughs> but there's there's sort of two main progression systems, and you get introduced very early on. There's this community center that's run down, dilapidated, and the mayor of the town wants you, if you can, to fix it up. Um, and there's another story quest that takes you to meet a wizard, and there's some like little ghosty guys. Or spirits of... I'm not a hundred... I, I always call them sprites, but... Yeah. Uh, that inhabit the forest and... Or that inhabit the, the area. And basically, if you are uh, one with nature, you'll know how to fix it up. And then you go back to the community center and you can see, like, these little glyph thingies on the floor. And it calls them, what, packs? And it asks for specific stuff that's tied to each season. So, like... Bundles. Yeah, bundles. And it'll be some crops, uh, some fish, some, you know, just different well, things. Well, not necessarily tied to seasons, but also professions. Like, uh, the boiler room has uh, one tied to uh, exploration in the mines, uh, getting different uh, gems and that sort of thing. One that's uh, tied to just uh, to killing monsters in the mines. So if you get the other stuff via the fishing system, 
which you can, uh, you have to get those another way. Then there's one that's just uh, some metals, you know, uh, a gold bar, a silver bar, or a gold bar, an iron bar, and a copper bar. Mm. So they're not always tied to seasons. They're sometimes tied to locations or particular skill sets. But that's not even always the case because later on you unlock secondary uh, uh, bundles that uh, boost the friendship with everybody in the town that's tied to a, a particular profession. So uh, a person that uh, uh, works with a lot of cloth uh, in town you know, once dies, and some of them are forged, some of them are actually made via uh, the arson skills. So I think uh, one is made through a brewing barrel. And then some are just uh, collected from uh, animal products. Yeah. So uh, even then, uh, you know, it's not exactly a set rule, but it's more of a directed experience where you're uh, given a set of goals and said, okay, uh, have at it. But yeah. really no time frame to complete things. But there's pretty substantial rewards for doing so. The other path to progressing the or to progression is through Joja Mart. So the mayor tells you when he's going through the community center stuff, if one more person gets a membership at the local Joja Mart, I'm just going to sell it. And you're that last person, that deciding factor. Of course you are. So I went, I mean, immediately, not immediately, but very early on, I was like, yeah, I don't want to do all this gathering stuff. I want to go get the membership with Joja Mart. And then you can just get everything for money. So, um, you know, you, you buy your membership. The community center is turned into a, a storage warehouse for their products. And then um, all of the main upgrades can just be purchased for money or the, the main projects. Like there's a, a bridge to replace, uh, the bus to fix, the mine carts to repair, uh, and, and a few other things. And those use the bundles to be fixed in the, I don't know, A path, the nature path. Um but then mm-hmm. everything's just fixed with cash in the Joja Mart path. Uh, let's go with the community path versus the corporate path. Ooh, that's ooh, that's good. I like that. Uh, community versus corporate. So there's none. I, I didn't get uh, much progression in the Joja Mart path. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Because it's, it, it's all money related, which I was starting to bring in some good money. Uh, towards the middle of summer, I had found some... A, a pretty good routine. I had bumped up my fishing a bit and fishing is a good way to earn money at the beginning or the end. There's also specific times during the month when you might be more inclined to go fishing than others or the season. But at the beginning and the end, the way that I was doing farming, I would buy all of the crops that you only have to grow once and then they keep producing. So for the summer, mm-hmm. it was blueberries and peppers and uh, the peppers grow faster, but the blueberries are worth a shitload more money, but they take a lot longer to grow. So that was what I was doing was I'd planted a ton of blueberries and peppers. But at the beginning of the month, it's just like you water them and then it takes like 12 days for the blueberries to mature. And I think it's... Yeah, see, eight. I was doing a more balanced uh, role where I would take a, essentially a plot of everything. Uh, but I would also have it where uh, that gave me a more stable income where uh, some of the crops only took four days to grow out of a 28-day season. Yeah. 
Uh, so it would give me a bit of a boost early in the season. And I could just buy another uh, set of uh, seeds for, uh, for them. And I also had all my fields uh, fertilized by summer, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I, I knew how to do that. Yeah, it, it started, my method was starting to snowball towards the end uh, of the month. Because, you know, I do all this prep work in the beginning, and there's not a lot. Yeah, I was making maybe between one and 2000 a day between fishing and woodcutting, because I did take the lumberjack profession. Um, but, uh, towards the end of the month, I was getting five, six, I had one 10,000 gold day. That was all blueberries because you get two blueberries from every plant every time they harvest. And the first time is 12 days, but then it's only, I think three or four days after that. Mm -hmm. And so the, with the amount that I was planning, I was getting like 40 blueberries every few days to sell. And the first day I went around and gave blueberries to everybody for presents, and almost everyone liked blueberries, even George. Uh, <laughs> My spirit animal. Um, so, you know, I did that the first day. And then I went and I sold the rest. I was like, how much are these worth? And it was like 1700 in blueberries. And I'd given away like 15 of my blueberries. And I was like, oh, sweet baby Jesus. I'm not going to do that next time. I'm just going to sell them all. So, but I mean, that left me a lot of time every day to go and do socializing and stuff like that. Because I'd completely ignored that system at the beginning and started picking up, picking it up towards summer after I basically, I mean, I didn't fail. Like you can't exactly fail, but the spring dance where no one wanted to dance with me because I hadn't made friends with anyone yet made me sad. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I didn't uh, get a, a friend for that, but I was getting, uh, yeah, starting to snowball. Yeah. Where I focused on getting the farm set up and ready to go. Mm -hmm. But anyways, and then, uh, by uh, the end of spring, I was doing a lot better. Yeah. So I, I got pretty far off topic from where I was going with that. But um, the, the with the corporate path, money being everything, I did look into it a little bit. Um, and there's no secondary anything like what you're talking about to increase your friendship. But without that having to direct you towards certain things, you're kind of just left to your own devices to do whatever you want to do. And, and I get that you can totally do that on the uh, the community path. But, you know, if you miss something unless you've got the greenhouse or it's in one of those more profession related areas, you might have to wait a really long time before you can actually get that progression. Whereas with everything just being cash, it's like, well, you know, it's whatever time of year or, or season I can just, you know, focus on these things and start building my cash up and then buy into that upgrade. So that was why I picked that path so that I could have a lot more freedom to do whatever I might go back and do the community center path on a different playthrough. Um, there's multiple maps. Like I just picked the balance map, which was, I guess, the original one. But there are mm -hmm. other farm plots, I guess. Is the yeah, way and to also, say it. and yeah, and they also uh, have announced that there's going to be a fifth uh, version of uh, the uh, starter farm in the upcoming update. So the game is even full. Yeah, they're still updating the game. Yeah. Um. But yeah, to give you an idea for the community path, for example, um, uh, the construction bundle, uh, get two stacks of 99 wood, which is not hard, uh, 99 stone, and then 10 hardwood, which is a little bit trickier because you have to upgrade the axe, but it gives you a charcoal, uh, charcoal kiln for doing that, which uh, allows you to convert wood into coal. 
without having to deal with uh, actually building one yourself, which is linked to, I believe, the... Uh, da, 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 just looking right here. It's uh, linked to the foraging skill, so you have to uh, be a forager uh, to get that otherwise. And that still requires a gold bar, which is, yeah, it takes a while to get. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen any gold at all. Oh, I- I'm rolling in gold. Nice. Gold! Um, so, but that's as far as I got on the progression system. I meant, I didn't, Jim didn't say in his email... Which do you, when do you want to read his email? Yeah, let's go ahead and uh, read it uh, uh, and get a few uh, points out of it. Okay. Uh, so I've got it pulled up here. Stardew Valley is the first Harvest Moon type game that I've played. It was a bit of an adjustment coming from Farming Simulator, which might as well be called Farming Equipment Simulator. One of the YouTube videos I watched said there were a lot of people who stopped playing after a few hours, only to pick it up later, and got hundreds of hours. I can definitely relate since the game takes some getting used to in the first few hours. I found the game benefits greatly from referencing the wiki. There are a lot of basic things that it doesn't tell you, like how much anything is worth before you sell it. It's definitely possible to experiment and learn that way, but due to the opportunity cost in the game, it could end up costing you a lot of time. If you need to wait until the next year in the game, that could be close to 30 hours of gameplay away. The game definitely benefits from mods, particularly the UI info suite and automation mods. There are tons of mods that improve quality of life of things or expand the gameplay. It's definitely worth checking them out and adding the ones that look interesting. I'll skip talking about the early game since that's probably going to be covered adequately in the podcast. I made it until the early fall of year two. The second year of the game plays out very differently than the first year. I was able to build a bunch of sprinklers to take the burden of hand-watering crops away. I also had more activities like tending to animals, creating artisan goods, and generally managing quite a few more crops. I had a lot less time for fishing and mining. I put off getting into the artisan goods, which was definitely a mistake. They sell for a ton more than base crops, and scaling up production takes time due to tree sap requirements. It would be wise to invest in tree tappers earlier, so you can start brewing and preserving earlier. These are definitely activities that the Automate mod is invaluable for. It can automate loading products into and out of production devices, so it's possible to have a chest next to a row of kegs. You'll only need to throw a stack of wheat into the chest, and it will automate the brewing, and you'll end up with beer in the chest. This also works for other things like crab pots, garbage cans, beehives, tap trees, seed makers, and pretty much any of the machines. There's definitely a good amount of gameplay left before the in-game content, whatever that is, I can see how people end up playing for hundreds of hours. I would like to get through at least a few more in-game years eventually. Regards, Jim. (laughs) And then he lists his mods out, which we should probably include in the show notes for anyone who is interested in uh, a list to sort of, I guess, dive into. Yeah, uh, I ran a couple of his, uh, but uh, some of them are... uh, uh, smaller versions or more directed versions uh, than what he was running. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I definitely see uh, where he was coming from, especially with the early game stuff. So let's go ahead and talk about early game stuff. And uh, that uh, because you know, we didn't really cover adequately on the podcast yet. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. It, it's the, this is a game that snowballs quite a bit. And he is right that there's quite a bit of a hump to get over because you're given a plot of land that's completely grown over, trees everywhere, rocks everywhere, uh, and one package of parsnip seeds <laughs> and some basic tools and told, have at it. 
And I understand how it could be very daunting. And that's why I kind of uh, like the community path is that it gives you kind of a nudge on a direction to take other than just, yeah, slowly taming uh, all the wild growth that's on your arm. Because I definitely understand how it can be very tempting to do that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, you know, with me, at least the way I tackled the early game, I spent the first few days chopping down trees, busting up rocks, and cutting up grass, and selling lots of stuff that I got. Not everything, because I was like, well, some of this stuff is definitely going to be useful for crafting. And I, I started to, I, I learned as I went, I specifically avoided the wiki because I wanted to, and mods, just because I wanted to get the, I don't know, intended experience or pure experience or whatever. Just like, you know, I didn't want to, didn't want to fast track myself. You want a sense myself. of pride and accomplishment. Yes, exactly. No, I just wanted to experience the game completely raw. That way my, you know, I didn't miss anything, you know. Um, cause I, I played Stardew a little bit before, nowhere near as much as you, but only a few hours. So, you know, the, the early game I, I spent doing that. And then the, the farther I got, I, you know, I started to learn things and I cleared out areas and I've planted rows of trees, uh, to, like I said, I took the woodcutter profession and I like to sing the, the Monty Python lumberjack song in my head and cut down trees. Probably not the most efficient way to make money in the game, honestly, but I I like it. I find it soothing, so. Just that thunk, right? Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, the, the early game, you know, you've got this massive overgrowth on your farm plot um, and really very little to no help in the way of guides. Like I said earlier, there's a couple of basic missions that... You know, you're given a thing of parsnips and told to plant them and grow them. And you get a couple letters in the mail that are like, hey, come see me on or hey, new person, come see me at the beach at the fishing fishing shop. And you get introduced to fishing and, um, you know, a, a couple other things like that where someone wants you to come meet them. Uh, you get a couple of small quests from people delivered to your mail. That's like uh, the what is she? Carpenter? Robin? Yeah. Yeah, the Robin the Carpenter loses her axe, and so it sends you to a part of the map you might have not been to where that you see the animal farm and then find the axe and take it back to her. There's a mission to go meet the wizard, um, which happens after you see the sprite at the community center. A few other little things like that that sort of open you up to the, the game world. But otherwise, I don't think it tells you, like, Hey, talk to well, people well, every constantly, day and give them presents well, to build up a relationship. Well, it does uh, tell you to introduce yourself to everyone. It does do that. As it, a quest. It took me until the end of spring or the beginning of summer to actually complete that quest because there was one person I had never seen um, wandering the streets of the town. Uh, it's it's Demetrius, and he hangs out up towards the playground, at mm-hmm. least on the routine where I've seen him in town. And he was the only one I had left, and there was one of the festivals, and I walked up to him, and I was like, you're the person I don't have. So I talked to him, I saw his name, and then I scanned the map looking for the house where Demetrius lived. And then I went and I stalked his house until I found him at his house. <laughs> Which, he's he's married to Robin. Mm-hmm. So, 
but anyways, you get 100 gold for that quest, and I assume it's meant to be completed in the first couple of weeks, but like I said, it took me until I think the last week of spring, because it was after the final festival for the month, or for the, the spring season, that I, I found him. But, yeah, I was able to get it done a little bit easier, but I also ran a mod that showed me uh, NPC locations. Yeah. The the early game, though, is filled with the most tedium for the least amount of reward. Uh, cho- you know, chopping down trees, breaking up the rocks for basic stone and things like that is worth almost no money. Parsnips grow relatively quickly, but they're not worth hardly any money. They give you almost no energy back if you choose to eat them. Which, there's that's something we haven't talked about. There's an energy system in the game. You start out every day at 6 a.m., and as you do things, chopping down trees, watering plants, fishing, like almost everything except walking around and talking to people, and then well, swinging the your saw, sword. Uh, 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 and the side doesn't take energy. Oh, I thought the side took energy. Uh, no, I was wrong on that. I thought it did at first, but uh, it was one of those things I never really paid attention to. Oh, okay. But, you know, those those two things don't take energy. But otherwise, everything else you do takes energy. Um, and so it, it drains down. And it gets to a point where it says you're, you know, nearly exhausted, which means you better stop or eat some food or something to replenish your stamina. Because if you go into the exhaustion zone, like you can keep working once you become exhausted, but your character moves 50% slower. And at the start of the next day, you'll only have 50% of your max energy as opposed to 100%. And also, if you go to sleep too late, you don't regenerate all your energy if you're uh, uh, too low. Isn't it after midnight you don't yeah, get... Yeah, after midnight uh, you don't uh, regenerate completely to full if you're uh, low. And then after 1 a.m. I think you collapse. Yeah. And if you collapse, you get... Like, you wake up in your bed with a note that says from the, the doctor who's like, Hey, someone found you collapsed and brought you to the clinic. We You should probably go to bed sooner. Here's my bill. Mm-hmm. Which, thankfully, that's not very much. It's like 20 gold yeah, well, or something it's t- like that. No, no, it's tied to the amount of money you have. Oh. Well, I was nearly broke when that happened, so there we go. Yeah. Yeah, I think it has a cap of 10,000. Okay. Uh, I think it's something like 5 or 10% of your overall, or the gold that you have on hand. Gotcha. But, so, yeah, the early game is very tedious. You don't get a lot of reward for putting in some of the most... Uh, effort or energy intense actions in the game repeatedly for many days. And I suppose there's a better way to tackle it, but when you're not giving any direction, it's like, well, I guess I'll clear out my farmland. Um, and then, you know, over the course of a few days, you get brought into town on these little letters and missions and get introduced to a few basic concepts. And then the game kind of turns you loose and is like, okay, here you go. Have fun. Um, and I suppose something could happen later that I haven't gotten to yet. But I think after the wizard is the last time that it sort of holds your hand and is like, hey, here's a thing to check out. Because that's uh, the wizard's Yes weird. and no, because uh, you are still given story quests. And in the winter, they start to ramp up to a more, I don't want to say overarching story, but sort of a, like a little mini storyline as well. And I just started to get to it. Mm-hmm. So I can't really talk too much about it because you know I didn't you know too much into it, but also know that later on you start uh, you know, 
that things also start to change because uh, in the second year, you're given more crops options. Uh, basically, because you, uh, the storyline is because the farm is being revitalized, you're kind of boosting the local economy. So the local merchant is able to offer more uh, seeds. And Jaja Mart, uh, because, you know, they're dicks, are, are trying to undercut them. <laughs> so they're offering the same things at a slightly cheaper price. But it's also further out of the way, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I read the the when I was reading on the progression for for Jojo Mart, they were saying that everything's more expensive unless you buy the membership, and except for a couple mm-hmm. of things, everything is actually the same price as Pierre's store. Yeah. I see. I can't remember. I honestly, uh, I only went in there once, and that was on a Wednesday, <laughs> which was when the local general stores uh, closed. Didn't know it was closed on a Wednesday. Yeah. There's a lot of the people's schedules that I haven't quite figured out yet because I just started doing that. And I really didn't go into town a whole lot and for a while because I was just spending every day farming or mining or whatever. I just drop all my stuff at the box in the, the cell box at the end of the day and then go to bed. So I wasn't going into town a whole lot for a while. Um, the other thing that I think that I, you know, sort of really opens your eyes to the larger aspects of the the game early on are the community events which there's or the community festivals is it the holidays yeah is it two a season is it three a season my brain is just uh, like different failing me. Uh, differing okay because spring has two uh let's see summer has two i'm pretty sure winter has yeah winter has three okay so the, uh, but fall has two. So uh, there's two a season except for winter. So you'll get um, one towards the beginning and one towards the end is what it's tracked so far. These community events or festivals of some kind. You'll get like a letter in the mail or a notification in town, like a little cutscene type thing, depending on you know what it is. And it'll be like, hey, mm-hmm. there's the whatever festival that's going to be tomorrow. It starts at 9 a.m., at this location. And well, not always 9 a.m. either, but the okay. first one you run into is uh, essentially Easter. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's basically Easter, and it's at town, or in the town. You can walk around, talk to people, then there's an egg hunt you participate in, and I lost. <laughs> the, the, uh, I've won, but I also knew where all the eggs were. <laughs> yeah, the, the little girl, what's her name? Abigail. Abigail? I think it is. No, I thought Abigail was one of the the dateable girls. There's Vincent, uh, who's the little boy, and then there's the little girl. Uh, or else Abigail will win. I'm looking oh, okay. at it right so here it on is, the wiki. So it is Abigail. Okay. The gamer girl. Okay. And all the uh, uh, well, all the uh, different characters have a very distinct personality as well. They're, nobody feels really cookie cutter. Yeah. Um, but anyways, the, so there's the you know the community events, and then there's Easter, then there's the spring dance. Is it called the flower festival? Uh, yeah, flower dance. Flower dance, and then there's for summer. Uh, there's the potluck one, or the the beach party, whatever that one is. Uh, the luau the and luau. the dance of the moonlight jellies. That's one that obviously starts at. 10 
Yeah. Um, and also there's a little mini event for each season as well that I didn't really, I noticed, but didn't really put two and two together. Like for spring, I'm not sure if there is one. Yeah, there is. Uh, uh, from day 15 to day 18 on spring, it's salmon berry season. So uh, some of the bushes have salmon berries that you could harvest. Oh, I noticed that. That's uh, that's where I got all of my berries that I started giving Linus. I got something like 20-something berries on... And you and you gave them two a week. I Well, that's... you are a generous person. That's all you're allowed to give. I would give him one every day. So let's let's talk about the NPCs a minute. Um, okay. There's... There's a bunch of them. There's, what, 20-something people in town? Uh, Let's see. So there's... There's... There's 12 uh, marriage... Alex... uh, Yeah, there's 12 marriage candidates. And there's, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6... There's 7, 21... Non-marriage Giftable candidates. Or uh, non-marriage candidates that you could uh, uh, give stuff to. And then there's another uh, non-people that you can't give stuff to, but you could still interact with. Yeah. So there's a, a wide variety of NPCs that, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't feel like two of them have the same personality, but they don't come across either as like being very, you know, one dimensional or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like even, you know, I complained about Haley. I think we both complained about Haley. She's one of the marriage candidates. Um, and she comes across as a very snooty, stuck-up girl. She mm-hmm. initially starts out, she hates the local community. She, it's too small. She wants to move to the city. Yeah, constantly talking about clothes and malls. And I didn't get this far, and I don't think you did either with her. But, uh, well, you know, you looked at yeah, the wiki and said that her personality changes to be much more kind and giving and enjoys mm-hmm. the community as as you get to know her and build this relationship basically you her. ground her yeah um uh, there's the gabriel girl abigail there's uh emily who works in the bar mm-hmm. uh leah which is a local artist who lives uh just uh south of your uh, farm maru which is the uh, daughter of uh, the uh, only interracial couple in the community, uh, but the uh, the local scientist and uh, the local carpenter, and she uh, is big into invention and uh, kind of uh, mining, sort of. Uh, there's Penny, who is the uh, daughter of the, of the town drunk, I believe. Yep, yep. Who also happens to be the bus driver, so, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and then let's see, there's Alex. Uh, I don't really know the personalities of any of the uh, male marriage candidates because uh, was it, I'm not into that sort of thing. I guess, yeah, you played a male character and I'm playing a female character. And I'm still chasing all of the other female characters. Like, I want to have... Yeah, see, all the uh, marriage candidates are gay bisexual. Couple. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're all, all... All, all? They are all bisexual. But I'm I'm... Have currently Let's been chasing see, Alex. The uh, yeah, I'm just going to read the little tidbits on this. Alex uh, loves sports and hanging out on the beach. He is quite arrogant and brags to everyone that he's going to be a professional athlete. Though his coolness uh, is his coolness just a facade to mask his crushing self doubt, or is he using his sports dream to fill a void left by the disappearance of his parents, or is he just uh, a brazen uh, youth trying to look cool? 
uh elliot i've actually interacted with elliot a little bit because he comes mm-hmm. like he's very he's very pretty yeah elliot he's very yeah, elliot pretty. lives on the beach he's a he's a writer or an aspiring writer um mm-hmm. and he's very he's a very open heart like bleeding heart romantic sort of guy uh he looks kind of like fabio so yeah alex is the grandson of george and evelyn and friends with Haley. harvey uh uh, which is the town doctor. Mm-hmm. He's He comes across like a dad. I don't think he has any kids, but he just seems like a dad. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of like that. I'm kind of getting into Harvey right now. Like I was going <laughs> to... Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Let's go ahead and get to the rest of them. Sam is kind of like a punk rocker kind of guy. Uh, Sam is an outgoing, friendly guy who is brimming with youthful energy. He plays guitar and drums and wants to start a band with the with Sebastian as soon as he has an, uh, enough songs together. However, does he have a, a habit? He does have a habit of starting ambitious projects and not finish them. Um, then Sebastian is a because uh, I'm trying. I've I've talked uh, to a lot of people. I'm trying to do this stuff in memory instead of looking at the wiki. Um, yeah, see, I'm uh, I'm cheating with the wiki. He's kind, uh, he comes. Depth. He comes very much like a, a nerdy goth guy is how he yeah, comes across. Yeah, sort of, uh, sort of emo as well. Yeah, he likes to hang out. Whenever it rains, he goes down to the beach and stands alone on the dock and watches the the water while it rains. <laughs> He's very brooding. Uh, uh, talking about darkness, his old friend. Indeed. Um, uh, and then there's Shane. Yeah, Shane. Shane um, Let's see. I haven't really acted, interacted very much with uh, Shane. He's very Let's see. Rude. I'm renting my room from Marnie uh, at a really good price. It's small, but I can't uh, complain. If I could uh, reset my life, maybe I'll start a chicken farm. Only free-range eggs, of course. <laughs> so hippie. Yeah. I think he's also an alcoholic. He spends all of his free... Like, every time I see him, he's in the bar. Yeah, he loves beer, hot peppers, pepper poppers, and pizza. So, uh, uh, but he also works at the local store, so, uh, local Jaja Mart. So, which so which character did you or characters? Have uh, I ended up with Maru. Uh, actually, both my uh, playthroughs. Uh, the first time it just happened, stance that I had like three out of my like first five or six uh, local NPC or local uh, store quests. Uh, there, that is one way that the game does try to direct you is that, uh, the, uh, local, gr- uh, general store will post a, a, yeah, a wanted ad, uh, like, um, uh, the, the local blacksmith may want to en- examine some ore, uh, go round up some ore, bring it to him. And it, and depending on the quest, it may, uh, you know, you may be just selling it directly to the person or they may just be, okay, yeah, that's, uh, that, yeah, that's copper ore, all right. <laughs> And you get to keep it, and they give you some money and uh, some uh, relationship. My first playthrough, I ended up uh, with Maru just by happenstance because, like, the first th- three out of the first like half dozen quests were uh, tied to either Maru or near her, and I ended up talking to her anyway. And the second time, it happened pretty much again. <laughs> uh, but I also kind of liked Maru's personality. She's uh, kind of nerdy. She's, uh, but also. Ha- has a sort of a shash streak that she uh, kind of warms up. So, yeah, it, it was an interesting character. Yeah. Um, uh, she, she didn't uh, come off uh, outright as kind of 
well, to uh, uh, use the term bitchy as like mm, a certain blonde with blue eyes. <laughs> so I started out uh, trying to, to date Haley or trying to build a relationship with Haley, um, partly because she was very pretty. Uh, I guess you might say traditionally beautiful and also I think has got big boobs. Hard to tell, but my uh, my head canon is that she has big boobs. But then, you know, her personality, I was kind of like, eh. I mean, I'm sure that the, you change and become easier to deal with as time goes on, but I don't really want to invest in this. And then the next character that I started to build up a relationship with was Penny. Kind of by accident. She hangs out a lot uh, of times up near Linus's uh, tent, which I'll talk about him shortly. But... Uh, so I was just running into her a lot, and I don't know exactly what her gifts are, but she seems to like everything I've ever given her, which are things like just like simple flowers, berries. Um, well, there's different levels. So, uh, like, she likes dandelions and leeks, but she loves diamonds, emeralds, melons, poppies, okay. poppy seed muffins, uh, uh, different uh, cooked platters as well. So, uh, but there's also things that will, uh, uh, her feelings like she absolutely hates beer <laughs> can't imagine why yeah <laughs> yeah makes sense but you know I was uh, getting... she hates pretty much anything alcoholic looking at this yeah she but um, she liked all of the gifts that i was giving her um and so i started to get you know the little relationship hearts with her the more that i had talked to her and I, I liked her she just seemed like very down to earth in her conversation um and things like that and there were a couple of other characters that I also like. Like, I liked the gamer girl, Abigail, but I haven't really invested mm-hmm. too much time with her. And then I started running into Leah a lot. Um, also, just sort of randomly on my travels, so I've been building a relationship with her. But then I had a conversation with Harvey at... I can't remember if it was one of the events, or if it was, like, at the bar, and, like, a little thing popped up with somebody. But he was talking about how that... Um, and this has come up on more than one occasion, how that he's really struggling... Uh, with the clinic, he doesn't get enough patience. He doesn't make a, really enough money to support himself. He's lonely all the time. And I'm like, oh, you're just like a really sad single dad. You look kind of like a single dad. And I, I mean, I personally have a thing for like dads. Uh, so it's like, mm, okay, I think I'm starting to to like you a little bit, and I want to pursue a deeper relationship with you too. So I'm kind of between Penny. And and Harvey, I mean, I I like Elliot. I like the way that he looks, but none of the other guys have really seemed all that interested to me. I'm not big into sports, so Alex never really stuck out to me. And then I don't talk to Emily, and I, I don't really ever go to the bar, so I don't talk to her very much. I know she's other places, but you know that's where she works. That'd be the easiest place to go find her. So that's where I am with all the romantic relationships. The non-romantic relationships, I don't think we should go through all of them like we did, um, mm-hmm. but who is notable to you? I know one right uh, off the bat. but Yeah, yeah, George, of course, but also Linus. So, so let's go ahead and get Linus out of the way. So I love Linus. I have a very strong heart for him. He's a homeless man that lives on the north side of town behind Robin. Yeah, sort of a wild man as well. He kind of uh, just... Uh, he. Uh, lives in a tent uh, and forages for a living to uh, uh to make well not really ends meet but to survive yeah and i mean my profession is a helping profession i work 
with that population in the real world. And I just saw Linus and just like my heart sort of melted for this video game character. Uh, yeah, especially his first event, which is even a, a, a technically a hard event at zero hearts. Basically, you talk to him five times or give him something and it triggers a, a an event that I actually told you to go trigger. Yeah. Yeah, because I didn't realize you have to go to town at nighttime and you find him looking through all of the trash cans for food. And there's an interaction with, uh, is it George? Yeah, it's George. Who, who tells the raccoons to go away because, or he wants you to shoo the raccoons away because he didn't realize it's Linus. Mm-hmm. And then you can talk to Linus and you can be nice to him or mean to him. And, you know, I assume you could get different outcomes, but I was very kind to him. And then the guy who owns the bar, what's his name? Gay, Gus. Gus comes out and is like, Linus, I know what you're doing. I don't want you to go hungry. Please have some food. And I was like, oh, Linus. <laughs> so I go see Linus every day and talk to him. Like, my kid loves to play this game, loves to watch me play. He played with me for probably a total of eight hours on this. And, you know, I'll, I'll get a little bit more into that later when I'm talking about my playtime and stuff. But every day he was like, he got to where he was like, are we going to go see Linus today? And I'm like, you bet, you bet we are, buddy. <laughs> I almost said, you bet your ass. I didn't say that to my kid. But in my head, I'm thinking, you bet your ass we are, little little dude. We're going to go meet him or going to go talk to him. We're going to give him a present. And because he was homeless, like I always just gave him food. I'd give him berries, grapes. Uh, and then once yeah. I got the kitchen, I started making him actual meal food to give to him. He yeah, got a lot much, of sushi. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the only thing they absolutely hates is the universal hates, which is like all trash items, all monster loots, uh, algae, uh, a couple of the uh, tool items, that sort of thing. Yeah. So. But yeah, his uh, loves are, uh, you're going to love this, all right? So he loves yams. Mm-hmm. Uh, he likes uh, his favorite uh, dish is uh, dish of the sea, which is uh, sardines and hash browns. Okay. Uh, he loves cactus fruit. Uh, this makes me like him a little bit less. He absolutely loves coconut, but I guess someone to dispose of it. But his absolute <laughs> favorite thing is a blueberry tart. <laughs> that that just amuses me. Nice. Um, but yeah, so I started making him food and bringing it to him every day. Yeah, and uh, and I should say that uh, there are different tiers give different amounts of uh, essentially friendship points. So yeah, neutral gives a little bit, light gives a lot more, love gives a uh, a lot more. Uh, but also, yeah, dislike is yeah a little bit of a deep buff, I believe, and then hate is definitely uh, a removal of points. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, I went to go see Linus every day, and I liked him, and I have the most hearts with him. Um, yeah, I have the most hearts with Maru, then uh, it's Linus and George. But George is a disabled elderly man in a wheelchair. And uh, he's rather bitter, at least at first. Uh, and actually, in Penny's uh, two-heart event. Yeah. Uh, did you get that? Yep, yeah. I've got that, where she where, helps him helps get him, the mail, uh, but it makes him mm-hmm. feel helpless. And he gets angry. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but as you kind of uh, get to know him more, uh, it's sort of the same situation as with Haley. Uh, you know, he opens up a bit more, uh, but he's more of a lovable grump than anything else uh, to begin with. Yeah. I like George. Um, not as much as you do. Linus is my mm-hmm. Linus is my true love. If I could marry <laughs> Linus and give him a home, I would. But he's a non-romanceable character. So I'm unfortunately, just gonna be his uh, uh, there is a character that you give a home to later in the community path, but it's not Linus. Yeah. Uh, essentially, what they're what they do is they try to perform an intervention on Pam, the town drunk, uh, by giving her a home to get her out of her trailer because they, yeah, you know, she associates it with uh, with something that causes her drinking problem. I'm not sure what exactly. Because I, I didn't really care for Pam. Uh, she's very brash, uh, not in the lovable way George is, but also there's several times that she'll just flat out ignore you. Yeah, I've I've not really talked to her all that much. I mean, it, you know, whenever I see anybody in the town, I at least talk to them to get their dialogue, and you build up a little bit of relationship points with them when you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I've never tried to give her a gift or anything. Like at some point I want to get everyone's relationship up to maximum stars, but she's not someone I'm focusing on right now. Yeah. Well, well, let's just give you a, a taste of the difference between Pam and George, since they're both kind of grumpy characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, George, uh, he, his character page has a quote from him. My grandpap was a far uh, farmer. It's a respectable profession. If I wasn't so darned old, I would come to your farm and show you a thing or two. <laughs> I've gotten George where he said to me, like, well, you're a farmer, so at least you have a respectable profession or something like that. And let's see, Pam's is, I was reading the newspaper this morning, but I got depressed. It's a rotten world, kid. Keep your head screwed on right and uh, you'll make it through the, through it in one piece. That's what my pappy always said, at least, uh, always used to say, at least. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 there's just a certain kind of... Uh, bitterness that doesn't really translate to me. Pam's character portrait, too, is the one that's maybe the most stereotypical. Like, it looks mm-hmm. like white trash. Yeah. Like, whenever I saw her for the first time... Well, that, or her, maybe like, oh, yeah, uh, like the white... sports kid, you know? Uh, sports kid. Eh, yeah. But hers is... I think, I still, I think hers is the worst. Mm-hmm. At least from that perspective, you know, artistically, it's fine, but anyways. Uh, but but uh, we have said it before, even though it does come off as a little bit racist, but stereotypes do exist for a reason. Yeah. And that's also for white people. And Very I just true. got excluded from Minecraft uh, uh, anniversary event. <laughs> <laughs> if we get to it, uh, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. But, like, Pam's only friend is Gus, the barkeep. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. But she also doesn't have many hard events, and most of them are just sending you a recipe. <laughs> so, yeah, you I... know, you don't get you don't get sort of the, kind of the redemption. Even though, eventually, uh, she uh, uh, gets her job back uh, as the bus driver, but that doesn't make me feel better. <laughs> yeah. I've gotten... I've gotten two recipes from Linus. I I got the a recipe for sashimi from him. And mm-hmm. I had all these fish, and I'm like, aha, sashimi all around. And that's what I started giving him every day, was sashimi. 
It's like, Linus, did you feel a request? <laughs> yeah, I got, I got the bait recipe as well from Linus. I got a, I got another recipe from him, too. There's another food, but I don't remember what it was. Um, fish taco? Yeah, fish taco. But I don't have seven his... hearts with him, but yeah. I've got the yeah, fish taco recipe from him. Oh, okay. Well, I got fish tacos, so yay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just looking at Linus's eight heart event, and it's so sweet. <laughs> um, uh, Robin, Linus, and the player appear in uh, front of Robin's house. Robin offers to make uh, Linus lunch, but he refuses, saying, "I had a great luck foraging today." Robin turns towards the player and asks if he or she has something to say. And uh, you're just pleased that Linus is doing well, and he thanks you. <laughs> And adds that he was worried that the player would ask him to move on to the farm and says that he appreciates the player's respect for his way of life. Oh no, I want Linus to live on the farm with me. Yeah, well, even if you ask him, it it has no effect. Uh, Robin becomes excited and offers to build a real cozy house for Linus and Linus refuses, saying that he appreciates the kindness, but uh, he lives the way he lives by choice and he prefers to live alone in harmony with nature. He adds that he values his friendship with the player, though. Well, that's nice. I found it sweet, you know? Yeah. Uh, see, you wanted to have him uh, around, and I, it, he, he prefers his uh, way of life. That's fine. I still want to have him around. <laughs> I respect his way of life, and he can live it the way he chooses to, but I want him around. But, yeah, I mean, there's there's a bunch more characters, but those are the ones that I'm the most familiar with. I mean, I talk to everybody in town every time I see him, like I said. Uh, yeah, there's a, uh, there's one character that doesn't come uh, back home until year two, and he's uh, a war veteran that's suffering from PTSD. Is that Kent? Because I'm looking at yeah. the marriage, or the non-marriage candidates on the wiki, and I'm like, and I've never met this guy before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Kent. Kent is a a villager who lives in Pelican Town. He is away serving in the army throughout the first year and returns to live in town during spring of uh, year two. Let's see. I don't know if I'll ever get used to being back home. The peacefulness of this town feels like a mask. That's probably just me, though. You know, kind of stereotypical, you know? But, yeah. once again, stereotypes do exist for you know a reason, but the fact that they included him in a, kind of a chillax game like this, you know, says something. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else is left to really talk about? Uh, kind of just the choice that you have because you could uh, go through it. Uh, you, you don't really have to treat this as a farming game. You know, you uh, said yourself you were treating it as a essentially a lumber a jack game for quite a while. Yeah. And the fact that it doesn't really punish you. I mean, it, it does if you go with the community route, but... Uh, you're free to turn that off at any point until you complete the uh, the full route. Yeah. So in theory, you could get most of the way and build up your stuff, and then you know switch over, and you know it doesn't really punish you for that. Yeah, which I like about this game. It doesn't. It doesn't punish you. It doesn't. Um, I mean, you know, it does it punish you if you, you stay to out too late, but. Yeah. But, but there's enough modding options that you go in and change things if you really wish to. Never sleep. Uh, <laughs> the, the one last thing that I want to talk about 
that my biggest gripe with this game, which affected... Well, well I also do want to compare it to Harvest Moon in a little bit, but go ahead. Okay. Um, my biggest gripe with this game, which affected how I played and how much I played, is the way that saving works. I initially started out the month, and I was like, I'm going to play this a little bit every day or every couple of days instead of trying to sort of do it all on the weekends or whatever. Um, the way that I game is mostly opportunity-based, and then um, on the weekends is when I really pick a game to dive into. You know, I mean, I'm, I don't know, a stereotypical person with a, a kid and a, a, or with a family and a job, and I'm very fortunate at my job that I'm allowed to, or, you know, that I can play games whenever I have downtime and stuff, and nobody really gives a shit. Uh, so I do get additional time during the day to play. But a lot of times when I play a game at night, I don't want to play a game that requires a lot of brain power because I need to decompress from doing therapy all day, need to unwind. And while Stardew Valley is very relaxed, I found myself needing to concentrate and plan what I was going to do. It's like, okay, what am I going to do today? Can I make sure I take care of this, 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 and this thing? And then, you know, the day will be over and then there's the next day. It's like, oh, is it raining? Okay, good. I get a break. I don't have to water my plants every day. And I get that that changes as the game goes on. Jim mentioned in his letter the sprinkler system. Um, You can do the sprinklers. There's probably mods that help with that. But, you know, when it rains, everything gets watered and you don't have to worry about it. So that was one thing that kept me from playing. Because I didn't want to sit down at the end of a really long day when my brain is fried. When I'd rather just mine something in, you know, Eve or an... Uh, satisfactory or something like that that is kind of just like okay I'm just going to go and you know work on this one task for two hours and then go to go to sleep there's that aspect to it and then it's really hard to jump into this game and jump out of it because of the saving system you can only save when you sleep so it takes well that's actually a holdover from Harvest Moon so it takes 15 to 20 minutes roughly to play through a day depending on exactly how much you exert yourself and what you're going to be doing that day you know some days like if you're going to spend a day in the mine then you might get closer to that 20 minute mark or so because you can push it till the very last second you bring enough food with you your energy can be kept up so you don't have to worry about exhaustion but if you spend a whole day in town to running errands like everyone goes to bed for the most part, around 9 o'clock or so, and then it's dark and you can't do a lot. So, you know, that day might end quicker. Or especially in the beginning, I was going to bed early a lot because I'd run out my energy. I wouldn't be able to do anything in town because I didn't have any money or anything to, you know, anybody to talk to. And I had no food to keep my energy up, so I would just go to bed early, and that would make the days go by quicker. But, you know, that 15 to 20 minutes, being unable to save in between that times just on a whim because I needed to to quit would mean that it's like, well, like if I'm playing at work, for example, I have lots of like 15-ish minute stretches where that I don't have to do something when like a client doesn't show up or I'm waiting on something for some reason. But like that 15-minute mark is kind of iffy for me. You know, I might get, uh, have to get up and go take care of something. You know, I mean, I'm at work. Somebody needs me. I can't just be like, no, hang on a minute. I'm playing video games. I'll be there in a minute. It's like, no, okay, I'll go. And yes, you you can pause, like time will pause um, whenever you enter in the menus or whatever. But still, when you come back, you've got the rest of that stuff to do to go through the day. 
So unless I knew I was going to have at least a half hour so I could guarantee at least a, one full day, I wouldn't play it. So there was lots of opportunity where I have played other game co games in the past or would keep a game open and running on my computer that I could just, you know, come back to and save or quit whenever and not be penalized for it. I lost a little playtime that way. And then when it came to playing it on the weekend or, you know, at nighttime, like I said, the way that I sort of consume games throughout the week, the planning and concentration, even though it's not a lot, I have a very mentally demanding job. So when I get home at the end of most days, I'm brain dead and I have to, you know, reset. So that would keep me from playing it on the weeknights, which really left me the weekends. And I have said several weeks this month, you know, um, during the episodes we recorded, like I didn't get to play games as much as I was going to this weekend because of, you know, X or Y that my family did or something happened or whatever. So I, I got to play about 20 hours and then I had an issue with Steam Cloud where that I lost like half a season's worth of progress. Um, so my current playthrough is only at like 14 hours or 15, whatever I said when we first started recording. I don't remember what I said. But so I, I didn't get to play this game nowhere near as much as I wanted to, which sucks because I really like it and I found it very enjoyable. But, you know, just the way that the game is, I guess, intended to be played or designed makes it a little bit hard for me to get into it lots of the time just because of I don't know if it's unique or not, but the way that I consume games and enjoy them. So I just I just wanted to talk about that. Because that came up when I was talking to Jim about this earlier today, and it's came up with you, I think, when we were talking previously about our play times and the progress mm-hmm. that we had made. Because, I mean, on the weekend, you know, this weekend and last weekend, when I got a lot more time to play games, I played it like four hours, three or four hours on Saturday and Sunday. My kids sat down and it was like, oh, what's this game, Daddy? And I told him and he, he watched me play and he got really into it. And like, I mean, my kid likes to play video games. But this is the first game I've ever seen him connect with. And he's like, oh, let's go talk to Linus. Oh, is that Haley walking down the street? Do She doesn't like this kind of present. You don't have anything that she likes. Maybe you shouldn't give her a present. And, you know, things like that. Like, he learned the different areas of the game and learned, like, what you could get as drops from the different monsters. It was like my kid was really into this game. And I had an awesome time playing with him, too. But... You know, that that left me getting about 12 hours in in the last two weekends. And then that time, some of the time that I lost, you know, towards the beginning of the month was just gone. So, you know, my playtime is a little wonky on this one. And my progress is not what I expected or wanted it to be. Because I was closer to being on track with you. You were still, would have wound up a bit ahead of me. But I would have been squarely in the middle of fall of yeah. the first year if I hadn't lost all that progress. So I just, it, that's not really a mark against the game. Like I, I don't like it any less because of that, but it just makes me consume it in a, I think more unique way than many people would. So, cause that, that came up and I know Jim was just joking, but he was like, are you playing too much Eve? I'm like, no, I'm going to explain it more in detail on the show, but here's, actually what happened and then i explained the whole thing to him and i was like okay i guess i explained the entire thing to you (laughs) but you know 
I really like sat down and thought about it. And it was good that I did because I was going to make this point, but probably not as thoroughly or concisely. But I just wanted to make sure that I talked about that because that was like on the top of my list of talking points. Just the game design. Uh, you know, I've heard lots of people be like, well, it's just 15 more minutes, which is that, you know, sort of one more turn syndrome from, you know, Civ or something like that. But that nature of the game made me actually less likely to play it for short bursts, which really helps me play game club games more. It's when I can play them in shorter bursts. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's me done on that point. So, Yeah, uh, and uh, I called this a Harvest Moon like before, and I had a uh, an experience with Harvest Moon. I played three of the different Harvest Moons in the N64 and PlayStation 1 era. I haven't played a modern Harvest Moon, so I can't really compare it to that, but this definitely has a different feel about it. This feels more like a small community, and I think it comes down to just a difference of uh, design cultures. This is made by one guy over the course of many years. I actually originally found this game when he was still in the design phase, and he had like spring done and was working on summer. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, not even halfway done with the game. And I don't think this released on early access at all, if I recall correctly, either. But uh, he, uh, he, this is sort of the Dwarf Fortress Syndrome, where, you know, it's a, a small development team, or in this case, one uh, guy, working for a long time on a passion project. And I think it really comes out. But also, just a difference in culture, where... Uh, the Japanese de- design of Harvest Moon is very almost isolationist. Uh, do, have you ever played Harvest Moon? I have. It's been a long time. Yeah, but you get what I'm saying where there's not a lot of interaction in between the individual characters outside of uh, the events, the festivals, the holidays, that sort of thing. Yeah. But just the little touches of uh, friends walking by one another on their schedules and saying hello to one another. Or the fact that, like, uh, every Saturday in the, uh, I think it's the autumn, uh, a bunch of the girls and uh, some of the women in town go to the general store and uh, have a workout class, <laughs> an exercise class. Nice. Uh, you know, and it's just that little thing that makes it feel a lot more like a small community rather than, you know, a town. And that's where I kind of draw the difference between this is that the community you know comes together and works together while a town lives together or lives one near one another and that's kind of why i fell in love with heart uh, with the uh, uh well originally with uh harvest moon was that you know it sort of had that feel in a way particularly some of the playstation one games uh, where they had a lot more disc space to throw it you know individual uh interactions uh, but this has it in spades. And uh, on top of that, all of the hard events with the different characters and all the little interactions between one that they're like with Penny and George, where, you know, Penny uh, uh, shows that she's a kind and caring person and George uh, feels uh, helpless because of his disability and lashes out at people because of it, even though he feels bad about it after the fact. So having you know those little heartfelt moments really sells that uh, sells this game to me, you know. Yeah. 
And I've realized that the uh, art, it, it's pixel art, so it definitely can turn off some people. But overall, I think it does a, a really good job of kind of getting that feel of the old Harvest Moon before it became or more looking like a Facebook game. Yeah. And, uh, and Jim was talking a, <laughs> a bit about how this uh, reminds him of what he feels like Farmville wants to be when he saw it pop up on uh, Facebook a lot back when that was a thing, right? Yeah, I'm sure Farmville is still a thing, but... But it doesn't pop up as much. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just uh, that real close-knit community feel that I really enjoy about this game. That I think, uh, you know, Harvest Moon just never was able to do, or at least the ones I played. Now, I could have missed one. Uh, that has this field, uh, uh, particularly the modern ones. But, yeah, nothing really felt this heartfelt. And it makes me look forward to his next project because he has talked about uh, Concerned Ape, the developer, because he did publish this through, and I'm blanking on the name of the uh, company, uh, eventually uh, for the consoles. Uh, he uh, has talked about doing other projects, but he's still working on uh, Heart on uh, Stardew Valley. I keep wanting to call it Harvest Moon now because I talk, I said Harvest Moon too many times. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, it has a very good feel. I, I really enjoyed this game. If you could get over that initial hump, uh, it's well worth your time. But I do recognize this. This is a niche game. You know, not everybody's going to love it. Yeah, th- this is not a universal appeal, but I think this is a good, a, a good game for non-gamers. Particularly if you could get them uh, past the initial like week of the game. Yeah, you know, this is like a modern Final Fantasy where oh, it gets good after thirty hours. <laughs> it doesn't take thirty hours. It probably takes. Well, no, no, I was talk. Uh, no, I was saying it's not like that. Oh, okay. it gets good after like an hour. Once you get uh, the initial farm up and running, and you're able to go start interact with people, particularly if you. Uh, trigger an early event with Linus. Yeah. You know, I think that's kind of the tease of you know, some of the deeper events because you know, George is the one that in my other playthrough I got a lot of hard events for. And, you know, him talking about how he ended up in a wheelchair. You know, it was uh, really heartfelt. And plus he's a fun character. Yeah. Um, I don't think I have anything else to add. Ghost sent me a message on Discord saying that he was very sorry for being late, but he just sent us some something on Stardew. So I've got it pulled up here, and right, I read shall it. read it, and we will see if anything else comes of it. Uh, Stardew Valley is fun. It's a zen kind of game for me that allows me to satisfy my need for efficiency and production without breaking out the spreadsheets and calculators. It's also a nice touch that you're limited by the clock and have a finite amount of time before the day's over, so you have to prioritize what needs to be done for the day. The hard stop between days is also useful for stepping away from the game without going way overboard and losing track of time. That's a fair point that I agree with. Um, For this month, I just continued an old save I'd stopped playing last year at some point. I was able to finish year three and got to see Grandpa when he come back and was given the four-star rating by him thanks to everything I was able to do earlier. What's nice is that the game doesn't just turn into a boring open place log after that. You're still given quests, and there's plenty of activities you can aim towards, like finding a mate and getting kids if you had to, if you put that off. Is, you can have kids? Yeah. 
And okay, cool. Uh, as well as ironing. Oh, patch. that's under the harvest th- moon thing. Yeah, I don't think they do anything. Uh, purely cosmetic. Okay. Uh, and uh, well, uh, well, since, since we're in heavy spoiler area, uh, why the hell not? Uh, you could actually get a divorce, and one of the high end quests. Uh, yeah, very late game is that you could get rid of your kids by turning them into doves and they fly away. That's interesting. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see, you're still given quests, and there's plenty of activities that you can aim towards, like finding a mate and getting kids if you'd put that off, as well as earning cash to buy new upgrades for your farm to enhance efficiency. My chosen farm was the fisherman's version, so farming land was at a premium. I've managed to use the islands as a way of breaking up sections of my farm, so two are set aside for animals, with each one having either a coop or barn and plenty of grass to graze on. Two more hold a small tree farm, with one island having all tapped trees so I can farm those goods, and the other being around for building supplies. That basically leaves one island in the main area in front of my house for farming land, which I've set up with sprinklers and Junimo huts. So every morning I just have to wake up, take care of the animals, and replace any crops that were picked. This gives me plenty of time to mess with my fishing, mining, or filling barrels and machines. Thanks to all of that, I'm able to pull anywhere from 10 to 30 k a day, with a record one-day haul of just over 50000 all in all, it's a great little game, well worth the price tag. And aside from me playing it, my daughter plays it on occasion. She's logged at least 20 hours as well. I give it a rating of 4.5 giant turnips out of 5. <laughs> yeah, and that's something that we don't really talk about, is that there are money sinks to uh, you know, progress towards. And some of them are quite expensive. You know, I think the most expensive one is $10 million. What what is ten million? What 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 is that? Uh, it prevents uh, the debris, the uh, wood, and the all the random stones from popping up. It also prevents uh, fences from decaying. Oh, I thought my fence had gotten struck by lightning. <laughs> so I use I I use fences to create little farming patches and separate out my crops. And you know the they're not really much different than the screenshot that I sent you. I reorganized it a bit so that the rows were better and less messy um, and added to them some. But I use little little pins that designate different types of crops. Um, and I just had some of my first fencing decay after being there for basically two full seasons. And I just thought that it got hit by lightning from a lightning storm because I've seen the lightning strike the ground before. And I'm like, oh, I guess it hit one of my fences. And I replaced the fence posts and everything was fine. And they even think, oh, yeah, this wooden fence. You can get stone fence too, can't you? Or yeah, stone which fence. lasts longer, but still decays over time. Gotcha. Well, I was thinking about getting rid of the fencing anyways. One issue with the fencing is that it blocks the crops on the bottom. So I've had times occasionally where, where I've forgotten to mine, or not mine, water the crops that were in the, the bottom row because the fence blocked it off. Oh, see, I... Uh, the way I built my uh, crops, and this is getting into sort of des- design philosophy, is I've upgraded my watering can twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, if I just tap the button, it waters the crop in front of me. If I hold it, it first uh, waters the first three in a row, then the first f- five in a row in front of me. So I build all my uh, crops. Uh, first, uh, it was uh, six uh uh, long, tall, whatever, uh, tile, uh, blocks, but then I just shortened to five. So 
Instead of having 12, I would go three rows of uh, five and have 15. And so, like, if I was doing, like, wheat production, which was uh, a, uh, an autumn crop, I would do uh, three rows of five for 15 and uh, be able to just uh, have, stop in three spots to water. Or one spot, depending on... And that is one thing that I noticed, is that there's some things that are a little finicky. Uh, the horse uh, is a little bit on the fat side on its hit box. So there's times I'll get stuck on something. Uh, but... The watering can, if you're watering north to south, you could stand uh, in the middle of the three rows, or three columns, I guess I should say, and uh, you could uh, water north to south uh, in those three, you know, uh, to your left and to your right and directly in front of you. But if you're standing and watering east to west or west to east, if you water uh, a towel north or a towel south of you, you turn. Which was a little bit irritating, a little bit of inconsistency, but it's something that I built my design around to avoid. So, yeah, there are minor quibbles. It's not, you know, this game is perfect because no game is perfect. If you think a game is perfect, you haven't looked hard enough. Yeah. Or you're in denial. Yes, uh, which, why would you be in Egypt? hi Denial ain't just a river in Egypt. Um, but yeah, I like Stardew and I, I would yeah. recommend it to maybe not anyone. You know, there's a certain group of players who I don't think would like this, but if you like any sort of management type games, if you're a fan of Harvest Moon or any other number of games that are similar to that, um, I think you'll like this game. There's a, a lot on offer. And like I said, or like we said, it's not purely just a farming game. It might take you longer, but you could play the entire game and never grow a single crop. So, yeah, Stardew Valley, good game. Really enjoyed it. And this is one of the Game Club games I'm going to keep playing. My kid will definitely make sure that we keep playing Stardew (laughs) Valley for a while. So, Yeah, this is uh, probably going to be... If not replacing, supplementing uh, Warframe is kind of my chillax, just, you know, play a bit game. Because Warframe has hit a point where, you know, I'm in between major content patches. So, yeah. yeah. So, on to our next Game Club game. Indeed. Uh, The next Game Club game for the month of May is going to be Fault Milestone 1. Uh, a visual novel. Uh, supposedly a fairly short one. I mean, not you know, microscopic, but you know, something that we could get through uh, you know, in a decent amount of time. So I'll probably be playing this towards the end of May. Yeah. Just to make sure that it's uh, fresh in my mind. Yeah, so this is a, a small series with Fault Milestone 1 being the first one. If we really like it, there's a chance that the sequels could pop up on future GameCub lists. Um, but, you know, we, we did our choosing and wound up with this. So it's, it's something that I've been interested in playing for a while. I've had it in my library for a bit. I went through a phase mm-hmm. where I bought a lot of visual novels on Steam or visual and kinetic novels. And, yeah, and some um, of them are actually decent. <laughs> it's probably 50-50. Uh, but... You know, I, I wouldn't I go that strong. I wouldn't go that high. Yeah, definitely fifty-fifty. 
Uh, and I just, you know, haven't played this one. So I'm, I'm looking forward to playing it. I'm also looking for something that's very, well, I mean, pretty much entirely narrative-driven. Again, like we said, Stardew is not without narrative, but the game is a lot more mechanics-focused, uh, I think, or mechanics-driven than narrative-driven. So looking forward to a good story, or hopefully a good story. I hope the story's good. So yeah, Fault Milestone 1 for May. Yeah, I guess we'll f- see if we can find fault with it. <laughs> hi I'm sure we hey, will. I-, I knew if I didn't take it, uh, you would. Yeah, you're right. I'm sure we will. So, uh, do you need a-, a quick break, or are we good to move on to our news topics? Uh, I'm good to n- move on if you are. Okay, okay, then let's do that. Um, Our first news topic of the night uh, we are going to be discussing the new Sonic movie. There was a trailer that dropped today, right? Yeah. For the, the live action Sonic movie. And yeah, my, uh, and boy, do I want to drop it. <laughs> my emotions. You First of all, if you haven't seen the trailer, the link is in the description. Just pause us. Go watch the yeah, trailer. Well, yeah. If it's not, uh, uh, I'll be pointing to a show note with the uh, talking about it with has, which has the uh, actors in it as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, go go watch that. We'll be here. It's only like two or two and a half minutes. Uh, well, well, we uh, it may be a bit longer because uh, there is the need for grief counseling. <laughs> well, you're in luck, dear listener, as I am a therapist. I can help you with that. Uh, maybe we're talking about this to uh, drum up some uh, business for you. Uh, my schedule is full. A hundred percent to... For seven weeks, I'm good in terms of business. Wow, the Sonic movies really uh, ranked them in for you already. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you, you know, you've had enough time to go watch it and come back and be like, "Why the fuck did those guys not just start talking about it immediately?" <laughs> so we will do that. My feelings on this trailer are like, it, I'm pulled in two directions. The first one being, "Oh God, why?" And the second one being, you know. I'm probably going to like this in a so bad it's good kind of way. Well, I'm Just... immediately tweeted towards Rift Tracks asking, <laughs> uh, is it too early to make a request? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this looks bad. It looks so bad. But with Jim Carrey in it, which, you know. Uh, what... Which it's 90s Jim Carrey. Uh, I... It's essentially a bald Ace Ventura. Yeah. With, 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 with no likability. I heard this rumor something like five or six months ago that Jim Carrey was likely to to be the part of Dr. Robotnik slash Dr. Eggman, depending on where you... Localization? Yeah, depending on your localization. Um, <clears throat> and I was like, that's a really weird, weird rumor. I mean, uh, Jim Carrey uh, doesn't seem like a good fit. And you know what? Uh, he doesn't really seem like a good fit after seeing him in the trailer either. And it's not just the looks. Like I, I know you know Jim Carrey is very. Well, there thin. is that one. There is that one shot at the end where you know Jim Carrey is bald with the uh, goggles, and okay, that looks like a thin Robotnik. Yeah, but I think this whole movie, honestly, is going to hang on Jim Carrey's performance. Not in the sense of like, is this movie going to be good or bad? But in the sense of it's going to be if it's it's going to be tolerable. Yeah, is this going to be a, you know, good but because it's bad, or just bad because it's bad? 
Because if Jim honestly, Carrey is too much Jim Carrey, it will be yeah. unbearable. But if he's the right amount of Jim Carrey, it will make the whole thing just seem like a farce, and it could be funny. Yeah, which, uh, based on the trailer, I think he's going to go way overboard. Yeah, I think so. This seems because, like Jim Carrey uh, going full Jim Carrey. This is Jim Carrey up to 11. There's only a couple of other actors I could think to, to describe uh, that way. Uh, and and you would think this would be like a Jim Carrey uh, movie, as in, yeah, focused on Robotnik because of how they cut the trailer. Uh, it's like, you know, they have the movie and it's like, oh, God, the only thing we could really show is like two shots of Sonic and uh, you know, all the Robotnik scenes. <laughs> the Sonic CG monster... <laughs> is not too bad as long as you're not up close on him. Because the trailer, like, zooms in on his face, and it's really disturbing. Like, this could, he could have the face of, like, a, a monster in a horror movie. And it's also, it's not bad if you've ever, or I should say, if you've never seen the design of Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. I understand some of the concessions that they made with giving him two eyes instead of one eye with two pupils. And some of the proportions being a little bit different, I can. Yeah, get but behind. they also like, went with CGI to be able to have a more unrealistic Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, to be closer to the actual character. Yeah, uh, this but, is like if this is like if they made Pikachu and Detective Pikachu more humanoid. Yeah, I mean, I can understand some of the concessions, but the face. The face that, like, is trying really hard oh, to be a person People are uh, fixated face. on the teeth on Twitter. Oh, it's all bad. Like. Yeah. It's just, oh, wow, 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 wow. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just, I'm looking forward to hearing sort of the publicity or the, the response to this film after it releases, like. I'm not looking forward to the movie. I hope that it falls into the so bad it's good camp. But I have no expectations for this movie. And I'm more interested in the r- critical response. And the oh, response don't worry. From... I have expectations of the movie. And it's going to be all bad. I uh, just wonder. Uh, it got to go fast to uh, uh, to home release. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's a good joke. I like that. But I, I know there's got to be people out there defending it right now, like, really hardcore. And I can't imagine doing that. Uh, hang on. I, uh, I, I, I'm going to go to Reddit. That's fine. I just had to mute and have a horrendous cough. Let's see. Grab my cough drop. <laughs> oh well, I'm looking at the uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog Reddit, which yeah, there is one, of course. And I have to say, the Sonic the Hedgehog fan base they get a little weird, okay? Yeah. Uh, if you ever look at any of the fan games, uh, there there's a shot comparing uh, one of the more recent. Sonic uh, the Hedgehog games compared to the movie. And I'm going to drop this into Discord and let you see this, alright? Okay. Uh, Discord. It's titled, what? It's even worse when compared to what it could have been. Whenever they, I mean, there's 
the, the fact that they made him so furry as well uh, feels a little bit off. That doesn't bother me all that much. Um, well, it's just, yeah, you know, it's like uh, the more you, I look at it, the more small design parts. Uh, it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand why he's electrified in the trailer. Or whatever that blue energy is. Oh, it's the speed force, of course. Ah, yes, of course. <laughs> I don't have to explain anything. Speed Force. Yeah, that just, explains uh, it. Perfectly. I just highlight, I just uh, give a synopsis of every Flash uh, comic book ever. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I could really the just the face, giving him that more humanoid face. I could handle the eyes if they kept the rest of the structure of his face the same. <laughs> right, I got to link you this one as well. <laughs> oh. oh, why can't you be normal? <laughs> oh, uh, boy, people are. I, I was expecting at least some defense here, but uh, watching this Sonic trailer be like, for fuck's sake, Paramount Zone One. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I was able to. I was able to figure out the plot by watching the movie or watching the trailer. You know, it's one of those trailers that gives away the plot way too much. Okay, what's the plot of the movie? Okay, so Jim Carrey is Doctor Robotnik. He's a doctor. All right. So Uh Jim Carrey's character is on a search for a cure to autism caused by the MMR vaccine, and he's convinced that Sonic holds the secret. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Throwing a little bit of uh, real-world politics in there. Because, <laughs> yeah, nice. Jim Carrey is an FX. That's also I, part of the reason why I can't really enjoy him anymore, because I know that. I actually didn't know that, but you have just ruined Jim Carrey for me. So thank you for that. You're welcome? Question mark? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Trust me, when I found out it's one of those... Oh. <laughs> So, I don't I really have that was anything more common else. knowledge. So, hmm. I haven't kept up. I mean, the, when was the last time Jim Carrey made a movie? Like a Long. couple of years ago. Was it really only a couple of years ago? Uh, let, let's see. Well, his last one was Dark Crimes in 2016, but that was a drama, I believe. Yeah, a detective drama. The uh, the Bad uh, Batch, which was a black comedy. His last uh, traditional comedy was Dumb and Dumber 2 in 2014. I guess I've been way behind on my Jim Carrey stuff. I knew he did uh, Dumb and Dumber 2, but I kind of ignored that. And I knew he had a cameo in Anchorman 2, but I didn't really like Anchorman 2. I never saw Kick-Ass 2... Did I see Mr. Popper's Penguins? No, I did not see Mr. Popper's Penguins. Although I vaguely yeah. remember that movie. Yeah, and he had a... Uh, he was the lead in uh, the creepy uh, CGI uh, Christmas Carol from 2009. I guess Yes Man is the last thing that I really remember Jim Carrey in from like a, a recent movie standpoint, which was in 2008. 
So he's not been on my radar for a long time. Well, the last movie I've seen of his was Bruce Almighty <laughs> from 2003. Probably Jim Carrey's best movie is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which is not a comedy. It's a very serious movie mm-hmm. um, that I won't really get into and spoil but if you want to see jim carrey do something that's not a comedy but do it extremely well and not weirdly at all go yeah, watch eternal I, well, sunshine of the spotless mind i would say the truman show is also pretty good at showing jim carrey's range because he does have a lot of heartfelt moments yes he has his jim carrey moments as well but you know it's uh, him being a lot more grounded than he was in you know, his previous movies I'm yeah not, i think pretty much all of his previous movies Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is turns that groundedness up a lot. Because the Truman Show still has a lot of levity, a decent yeah. amount of comedy. And, I mean, there are a couple of funny moments in Eternal Sunshine, but they're more like sort of moments of lightheartedness in an otherwise very heavy, serious movie. So, anyways. Welcome to the film portion of the podcast. <laughs> well, you're the one that wanted to talk about this. I did. I just wanted to bring it up and like point and laugh for a little bit. I'm not I definitely will not see this movie in theaters unless by some miracle of Jesus and all the holies combined it actually is good. <laughs> Which, you know, I don't think there's a snowball's chance in hell of that happening, but whatever. Um, you know, unless that it come <coughs> there's some revelation that it's amazing. A masterpiece at our of our time then I I will watch it when it comes to whatever streaming service it inevitably winds up on. Oh, don't worry, probably, I have a feeling I'll be there quickly. I'll probably laugh a lot. This would be a good movie to get high and watch, I bet. <laughs> It'll be very popular in Colorado. Indeed. And Michigan. Mm-hmm. We gotta t- take a trip to see Kyle, smoke some legal marijuana, and watch Sonic. Anyways, I don't think uh, I want to watch the, uh, that movie that badly. <laughs> I'm not sure if there's enough weed in the uh, world to make me want to watch Sonic the Hedgehog. And the question is, how much do you want to legally smoke weed? <laughs> That's more of the question. We could torture ourselves with Sonic anywhere. Uh, can I just have uh, the burger place instead? Can I go to Sonic there? <laughs> yeah, that Sonic's pretty decent. You know, it's not I'm great. Have a nice cherry limeade. Uh, a nice greasy burger. Some oddly delicious tater tots. Well, see, that's the crack. <laughs> yeah. It's one uh, illegal drug for another. So speaking of Ill- illegal things. <laughs> um, a couple or of illegal weeks ago. illegal in this case. Indeed. A couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, we had a, a news topic about how a U.S. Um, what was he? Lobbyist. Lobbyist. Uh, Brian Shonerman received a permanent ban from Eve Online due to accusations of insider training, trading, and he had a very high sort of ranking position uh, in the game as like one of the the people on the council that advises and discusses things openly with the developers on how to change the game and make adjustments and things like that. So he had a lot of privileged information about potential changes to the game and the economy and things like that and was accused of you know using that knowledge to better himself uh and his corporation via in-game trading eve online 
can be serious business for anyone out there who's <laughs> perhaps new to the show and has never heard us talk about it before. Oh, but don't anyways, worry. Uh, uh, just watch on uh, PC Gamer and uh, they'll eventually talk about uh, several billion dollars worth of uh, ships lost. Indeed, which is several thousand real dollars of ships lost. I think, wasn't there one that went over a hundred thousand actual US dollars lost? Well, let's find out. Biggest EVE Online battle. Uh, let's see. Uh, the biggest one damages a, a approximate real life uh, current va- uh, currency value of 300,000 to 330,000. The bloodbath of BR5RB. This actually has a Wikipedia article. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. No, I believe you. I know I I know you're not joking, but I just think that's funny. Let's see, it was a 21-hour combat that involved over 7,500 player characters overall and a maximum of uh, 2,600 uh, uh, players in the BR5RB system at one time. The in-game cost uh, of losses totaled around $11 trillion, uh, ISK at an estimated theoretical real-world value of 300000 to 330000 uh, U.S. dollars. This theoretical value is derived from Plex, an in-game purchasable uh, by real currency that can be redeemed for either subscription time or traded for in-game currency. Uh, let's see, it was part of a larger conflict known as the Halloween War. This fight uh, started after a single player controlling a space station in the uh, NG-PL-controlled star system, uh, BR5RB, accidentally failed to make a scheduled in-game routine maintenance payment. Which made the star system open to capture. <laughs> Being a key staging area for uh, used by that alliance uh, in the war, the CFC and uh, Russian uh, Clarions began pouring players in the system in a swift offensive, and they moved a large fleet into response uh, for uh, defense. A massive battle erupted in the system, and numerous smaller engagements occurred around, uh, throughout the game universe as players attempted to block reinforcements uh, from joining the battle. Uh, the CFC slash Rust gained a clear win by inflicting heavy losses on the NG slash PL and successfully captured the BR5RB uh, uh, system. Total losses uh, inc- totaled 576 capital ships, including 75 Titans, the largest ship play- available to uh, players, along with thousands of smaller vessels. So damn, right? <laughs> yep. There, uh, and I the understand biggest... uh, at least a part of what I said. <laughs> yeah. Lot, lots of big booms cost much ching. Big bada boom. Big big bada boom. <laughs> um. So, anyways. This, Basically, this guy, uh, uh, much like that one player, CCP screwed up. Yeah. Um, so anyways, they went through all of the evidence. They did an investigation that took two two weeks. Um, mm-hmm. Found that he was innocent and cleared him and two other suspected people of their charges, essentially, reversing their bans. Um yeah, which I really don't feel bad about, you know, uh, being against this guy at first because 
you would think that they would go, you know, do their due diligence and whenever they do a public banning of someone high up in their game, they would be 100% certain, right? Yeah, you would think. So, uh, I don't think this is, uh, you know, breaking the commandment trust but verify, but at the same time, you know, uh, uh, you would expect them to know their shit, right? Yeah, I mean, you would expect the developers with all of their back-end everything to, before they make an, a public announcement, be much more sure than they were. Like, they would have already committed or completed the investigation and then found him guilty as Especially against to... someone in the player council. I could understand it a little bit more of, you know, lock down the economy and then, uh, uh, you know, suss it out if it's someone that's, you know, not in the player council and, you know, it's not of importance, but someone that is, I hate using the term somewhat important for a lobbyist, but let's go there. You know, somewhat important in real life that's tied their real life profession to a game uh, like this that, you know, you're saying is a cheat. Yeah. You, know, you would expect them to be a lot more sure of it, but they don't really say exactly what happened. Just that it, the initial ban was based on a lot of assumptions that were proven incorrect uh, in a follow-up investigation. Uh, and they've been conducting an internal review to substantiate uh, the evidence available to us and, evaluate our handling of the situation we intend to uh share a full follow-up statement next week so yeah we'll find more information next week about what's going on but uh, right now or, or this is the initial statement sorry um i clicked on the wrong one in the news article sorry <laughs> so they uh did uh they did basically what i said they uh should have done with a low-level player but for someone that you know has some backing they should have, uh, yeah, completed the, uh, yeah, been absolutely certain before doing a lifetime ban. I can understand, you know, locking down their character, uh, but you know, not doing, you know, doing a full on ban. Yeah. So, uh, they say that transparency and fairness and, uh, sorry, transparency, fairness, and trust is of the utmost importance to us, which is why we're issuing this uh, brief update while also taking the time to ensure that. We conduct a thorough investigation. We understand that there may be some questions lingering over the incident, and we want to assure you that we take this matter very seriously. Both the sanctity of CSM, uh, the that's the player council, all right, and uh, uh, yeah. the and the relationship we have with our players is a paramount importance to CCP. As should be expected, we will issue a full and frank apology to, for any mistakes that we. Uh, for which we are responsible and we as well as provide appropriate reparations to those affected by any erroneous actions we've taken. So they are making it right. But, you know, it is a little bit of a shock to, you know, that they kind of jumped the gun that much, right? Yeah. It is. But... Actually, there's no but. I just said but. It's kind of one of those conversational things. <laughs> but there's not really a but there. You know? I mean, they, they CCP has has corrected their issue, has issued an apology. So at least they, you know, have taken responsibility in their handling. And instead of being like, well, you know, there might have been an issue and we whatever. No, they're, you know, they reversed it. You know, making corrections and, you know, reparations to the affected people. And, um... 
are, I guess, trying to move forward with it. I do uh, give them props for, you know, trying to make it right for, yes, they screwed up, but they could have very easily just said, oh, yeah, you are guilty and, you know, just buried it. Yeah. So that, uh, even though they shouldn't have screwed up like that for uh, that high profile of a ban, at the same time that they're owning up to their mistake and saying that they are learning from it and the fact that, you know, the fact that they're actually transparent about it makes me think that they, you know, they won't make the mistake again. Uh, that, uh, you know, I do give them some props for it. Yeah, I do too. Um, I mean, I'm still playing, so. <laughs> yeah, but you also have an addiction. <laughs> I've earned that. That's fair. <laughs> um, okie dokie. So yeah, our next... more of a follow up, just to yeah, be completely transparent about uh, us being transparent as well. Indeed. So our next news article: Notch is excluded from Minecraft anniversary for quote comments and opinions end quote. Oh, so well, yeah, th- this is kind of a, a follow up for something else that Minecraft has done recently, which they removed Notch's mention from the main title screen. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they did that a few weeks ago. So uh, Microsoft has been distancing themselves, uh, well, them and Mojang, which, of course, Mojang is a subsidiary of Microsoft now, uh, has been distancing themselves from Notch for a while. But the fact that you know Notch is excluded from the Minecraft anniversary is you know taking it up, well, a notch. hi I wasn't going there at first, but you know, I already was too deep in. <laughs> you committed. But, Commit to the mm-hmm. bit. But yeah, he won't be taking part in the 10th anniversary event. Which, yo, know, is a little surprising, but when you start getting into the why, you know, I, I, this is one of those cases I really can't blame for uh, Microsoft for not wanting to invite him when he's been uh, saying some things on uh, Twitter, which you've been going into. And I will have a link to an out of the uh, uh, loop post on Reddit. Which is basically what's up with Notch. There's uh, some people. Uh, this was from a month ago. Uh, yeah. Talking uh, about yeah you know, yeah you know, what's going on here because uh, people are talking about Notch being kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, so I went through and I looked at all of the listed tweets. There's probably more that aren't in this list. There's only something like ten in the list. Um, I read through all of them while we were doing pre-show. And there's not really any context to them, whether or not they replies or if there was some kind of event that he was commenting on or something. Um, so some of them I'm not willing to weigh in one way or the other because, you know, maybe if he was replying to certain something specific, his comment makes more sense. Because I had a few that I was like, well, I mean, technically he's correct, but he kind of comes off like an asshole if there's no other context to this situation. But then there's other ones that it's just like, okay, I see why Microsoft is like, mm, yeah, we just don't want this around. Yeah, basically, um, he's going uh, pretty deep into some of the right-wing conspiracy theories, which yeah. uh, Microsoft is uh, wanting to distance themselves from, which, yeah, yeah, if you start going into some of them, they get a little crazy. Yeah. Um... Like, some of the ones that he posts, 
like, okay, so the one I just pulled up right now says, it's okay to be white. And it's like, okay, I mean, sure, that's fine. But that also kind of makes you sound like an asshole because it ignores racial, you know, racism and well, hundreds of years these, of history. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, if you click on these, uh, a good chunk of them, uh, you're still able to see context for. So a lot of them are just, you know, literally him just posting on Twitter. Okay. Um, dang it. I closed the article. So there, I just clicked on one of these in this list at random. See, like uh, him talking list. about Q, which is the right-wing conspiracy talking about Trump is fighting uh, the shadow government. I mean, it starts getting into you know, loser territory. Yeah. And just based on some of his replies in it, it doesn't seem like he's joking. No. Um, I I used to follow Notch on Twitter several years ago before at least this stuff. And he kind of got to this point where he was started to get kind of obnoxious and belligerent. And I was like, eh, eh, I don't need to follow him. I mean, you know, he can, yeah, do see, him, I, I just, I haven't been on, uh, uh, Twitter enough recently to really catch him tweeting. So I completely forgot I was, uh, uh, following him and yeah, uh, just reading some of this. Uh, there's clearly an agenda against white men. And, uh, you know, just uh, seeing some of his replies. <laughs> yeah, or this one. Privilege is, made, is a made-up metric used to silence and repress. We're all different, and that is okay. We listen to individuals and help each other based on individual strengths and needs. We do not generalize based on skin color, comma, bigot, and reply to someone that says it's not okay to celebrate privilege, however, and that's exactly what you're doing. And this is one of the things that it's like, I mean, sort of like yeah, I mean, technically, te- I mean, te- yeah, technically yes. the truth, but but ton, right? But yes, and also it's like you're ignoring lots of history and data, and it's like you just come across at best like an asshole, and otherwise like someone who is, you know, racist, sexist, classist, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. and it's like. You know, absolutely. I could see why Microsoft would not want this being at their event, this, you know, notch being at their event. I don't know in person if he would say any of this stuff. He might. Well, he also has fuck you money. I was going to say he's got fuck you money. So, you know, they couldn't really control him. I'm doing air quotes for that. So he and, you know, that's just some of the stuff that was kind of like. I mean, you know, like I said, at best you're sounding like an asshole, Notch, but there's yeah, this, worse stuff. Uh, yeah, in this the comes list. down to uh, the thing that I've talked about before: uh, people being against political correctness, uh, saying that uh, the world's gone uh, too politically correct, and they counter it by being an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. One extreme stuff- does not ca- uh, make up for the other. Exactly. Then he's got a bunch of stuff in here about being a. Differences in IQ, high and low IQ, and rate related to race, and that's all bullshit. Um, IQ tests are wildly inconsistent, and they can test and measure certain things, but when it comes to testing, for example, the IQ of a 
black person versus a white person, IQ test doesn't take into account a lot of socioeconomic factors, differences in culture. Um, it's not called this anymore, but if you think about Ebonics, which was, I, I feel like a buzzword in the late nineties, early two thousands, it might still be a thing somewhere that I'm not aware of, but essentially the fact that there is a black English that is distinct <coughs> in both grammar rules from American, uh, European and Australian English, whenever you give kids tests that were in, uh, black or african-american english all of the scores were reversed and the white kids seemed like they had low iqs and the black kids seemed like they had high iqs so a lot of it is testing bias and it's like we've known this shit for a long time notch what are you doing so yeah again you know yeah he's well, allowed to... ha- yeah yeah notch has fuck you money so uh, the uh, I think the muzzles kind of come off and uh, he just doesn't care anymore. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, he is allowed to say whatever he wants, but in the same, you know, we all have the right to not listen to him or not give him any more of a platform. And I think Microsoft is exercising that right uh, pretty appropriately in this situation. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm sure somebody somewhere has been, has decried censorship for Microsoft not oh, definitely. allowing a notch. But that's not what censorship is, guys. People, random people on the internet who probably don't even know we exist. That's not what censorship is. And Microsoft is allowed to not bring someone into their platform or their event that is going to be saying, at best, things that make him seem like a really close-minded asshole. Like, they don't have to do that. So... And I think they're smart for not doing that. Like, that feels like the right choice to me, to not let him anywhere near their product ever again. Yeah, it feels weird defending Microsoft, doesn't it? No. I mean, it. you know, I'm... Because I'm full, fully com- capable of bitching and getting on to them <laughs> about all of the stuff that they do that's wrong, I'm also willing to, you know, give them a pat on the back for the stuff that they do that's right. And as far as, you know, good company, bad company, whatever goes, Microsoft isn't the worst. I don't know if they're, like, the best, but there's definitely companies that are well, well, they can't higher be the worst up on my as shit as list. Exists. And Epic. Epic's getting up there. <laughs> Bethesda. Oh, oh, you're joining my side now. Oh, God. Uh, did I miss something? No, just... Uh, um, I did see the uh, article. I, I didn't put it on because... Honestly, I'm a little tired of talking about Epic, but them saying, well, we'll stop uh, doing exclusives if uh, Steam matches our uh, cut. How about you match uh, Steam with your features and I'll actually consider buying uh, something on your piece of shit store. But see, that's something that they can say and get away with it because they know Mm -hmm. that Steam is not going to, or Valve is not going to make that change. Like, and even if they did, Epic wouldn't do it. Yeah, they'll still do it. That comment was not made in good faith. That comment was made as like, well, we know you won't do it. We know you won't call uh, it almost like it. Almost like they've uh, made comments in bad faith uh, recently before. Very true. Very true. But anyways. Well, but we're off topic. Man, <laughs> eh, what else is new? Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't really have anything else to say about that. Good job, Microsoft. 
I don't know when Notch... uh, Yeah, I really can't blame them. Uh, I mean, if Notch promised to be good, that's... Yeah, uh, it's still very iffy to me just because, you know, he's... uh, It seems like he spends way too much time alone on Twitter in his mansion. Uh, uh, Maybe I'm, uh, you know, doing some uh, armchair psychology. (laughs) I don't know. I haven't looked into it. That might be the case. He also might have always been this way. But it's one of those things. It's like having fuck you money means that Mm -hmm. you don't have to play by the rules anymore. And whatever you really believe can come out and you don't have to worry about it. Because just imagine if he had been saying things like this. Or maybe he was, but Twitter wasn't as big of a thing. Actually, not a thing. When Minecraft first released way back in the olden days of 2009... You know, imagine if he'd been saying this stuff publicly, loudly like that. You know, I'm sure some people would have bought the game, but a huge amount of people have been like, oh, that guy's like gross. I don't want to get involved with that. Yeah, I feel a bit bad for owning a a copy of Minecraft now. Kind of like what's his name who made Ender's Game? Um, Who's the author for that? Orson Scott Card. Yeah, I I was about to say Orson Scott Card. I thought... Wait, that sounds like a made-up name. <laughs> Who is, I mean, extremely homophobic and racist and sexist yeah, which on- and very open about it. Yeah, which honestly, when I found out about that, I, uh, my first thought was, really? Because there were several times in Ender's Game I was thinking, wow, this is uh, you know, borderline homoerotic. You know? Yeah, well, it's that might be one of those things of like the people who are, you know, most against it. Uh, he doth protest too much? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. There's no proof of that. That's just me sort of pontificating, but... Oh, the, uh, breaking out the $3 words now. Yeah. Yeah. Before long, uh, you're just going to flatulate instead of fart. And masticate instead of eat. And masturbate instead of jerking off. Ah, there it is. Alrighty. Let's uh, scoot on over to our final news topic of the night, which is the fan-funded Skyrim multiplayer mod may never release as the devs, quote, don't owe the community anything, end quote. Yeah, I kind of didn't know this was a thing <laughs> until you know, the news started coming out about this. Yeah, I heard about this the last week, maybe two weeks ago, sort of the first, oh, there you go. The first of, uh... rumblings of it. I mean, I'm talking about the mod itself, not hearing about the mod at all. Which, yeah, honestly, a lot of this is kind of shocking to me. Not the fact that it's there's a multiplayer mod for Skyrim, because there's a mod for everything for Skyrim. I'm pretty sure you can mod Skyrim into Skyrim at this point. <laughs> uh, but the fact that they have a Patreon set up, and they're taking donations, and Bethesda hasn't come down on them. Because they've taken a very hardline stance of, you're not allowed to make money uh, uh, making mods for Skyrim. Only we're allowed to do that. Yeah. So from what I understood, a lot of this is coming down to kind of release dates and also uh, the fact that they're using some of the script extender code and there was a bit of a tussle between them and the team behind the uh, Skyrim script extender. Uh, that they essentially uh, were using the old uh, uh, saying, 
it's easier to ask for uh, forgiveness than permission. So uh, I'm basing this all on the Sid Alpha video that's going to be in the comments or in the uh, show notes. Is that uh, they uh, were using some of the hooks in the Skyrim uh, script extender to be able to inject code into the EXE, I believe it was. And I, I actually know a little bit of what I'm talking about. Not all of it, but I understand a little bit of it. Uh, and then they asked permission to be able to use that code. And the Skyrim script extender, because they have a license from Bethesda, one of their big no-dos is making money off of it. And this is making Patreon bucks. So that was violating their license. So they said no. So, okay, they pulled some of the code and then they didn't remove all the code. And then there was a bit of a kerfuffle and then this infamous line. We don't owe the community anything. Yeah. Which, oh, the term entitled gets thrown around way too much in gaming news. But I think this, in this case, yeah, we may have a winner here. I mean... this is a really interesting gray area. Like, from an ethical, moral standpoint, uh, yes, you do. They've been paying you for however long to produce this. They expect a product. But Patreon falls into this weird category of it's like, I mean, you're not particularly buying a service. There's no mm-hmm. sort of insurance or guarantee this falls very much into the sort of buyer beware category of, uh, you know, a very capitalistic environment. Um, yeah, I'd and... love to have more context for these quotes, but the mods of the mods, uh, the mod, uh, the mod subreddit, the mods of the mod subreddit. Oh, that's a tough sentence. Uh, has duped this entire thing. So yeah, we're not going to have full context, and there's it's in an archive of it, unfortunately. Sorry. I cut you off there oh that's okay um you know but so th- legally this if, if it goes to court the, i think there's a real you know good chance that it could wind up being ruled like you know what based on the business structure set up here they don't actually they they actually don't owe you anything uh you know gamers consumers patreon supporters which but is really also, shitty yeah but it also creates a lot of bad faith and you know, uh makes it less likely that your future projects are going to get funded to this yeah, degree. This is also a high enough profile case that it could have some kind of a, uh, you know, knock on effect on Patreon as well. Like people would start, like I could see people starting being like, you know, well, what pay hey, Patreon? Why can't you ensure that if we're paying money for this stuff that we get some kind of product, that would be very out of Patreon's hands. Um, yeah. Yeah. Here, uh, here it is down at the bottom. Uh, despite the huge uh, popularity of the release, uh, they released a closed beta, which caused controversy because of using the code from Skyrim script extender. So they had to close down the beta, and that's what prompted this when they were asked about a release date. Talking about how toxic the community is, and we even considered saying fuck it and giving up or continuing. Uh, there's a lot of you know, added uh, words here. But never releasing anything to the public, which is also, you know, starting to get in another legal gray area, according to Sid Alpha, which uh, I'm pretty sure he's researched this a lot more than what we've been able to. Uh, talking about licensing with Bethesda. 
you know, just uh, the end user license agreement between Bethesda and the, uh, uh, well, the mining tools. You know, there's a lot of legal gray areas, but the fact that, you know, they're treating their community like this is bullshit. Yeah. You know, this is one of those things like, at best, you look like an asshole. Mm-hmm. At worst, I mean, they're getting are... 18000 a month for the project, by the way. Yeah. Which is a good chunk change. Or Don't I should say, at the, are at the height of the, popular, uh, the project's popularity. Uh, or at the height of the uh, 18,000 currently, but at the height, it was double that. I wonder what they are. Well, they've definitely gone down about a thousand. Yeah, I am. Um... But they're also uh, uh, one thing that's concerning to me about it is how they're running the project. Not not the fact you know, they're being assholes about it, but this is essentially Fallout 76. Where they're controlling servers with it. It's not, you know, a peer-to-peer su- uh, project. So, yeah, this is a project that could disappear at any time. If, uh, you know, the way I'm reading their Patreon is correct. You know, they're uh, uh, able to access their servers. Mm-hmm. Which, <laughs> I'm always highly hesitant of a project that relies on centralized servers that I don't know the company. I don't know their track record. And and even more so when I know their track record and they talk about how they don't owe the community anything. I mean, that's right up there with pride and accomplishment for me for a quote of the year. Yeah. Well, it could be your quote of the year. Pride and accomplishment was like two years ago now. Oh, oh true. But, um, yeah, I thought that it was, was peer-to-peer, going to be peer-to-peer or, you know, player-created servers. And that the beta was the one that was just the you know them running it. I didn't realize that was the intent for the whole thing. And that was in the yeah. Sid Alpha video. I haven't seen the video. I've just been sort of reading on it a little bit here. Well, and there. it wasn't. I uh, I was inferring from how they have the Patreon set up. Okay. But yeah, I I wouldn't like that. I wouldn't like some third party running this server like that. So. Yeah, just just sort of reading through this as we were going through all the news topics, I was like, this feels something that we definitely can talk about based on their responses and things. <laughs> yeah, it was a we, you know, I'm glad we got a lot out of Stardew because it was a relatively light news week. There's a couple of other stories that we're like, we don't know well, enough well, about kinda, this, or yeah, they're still kinda, developing. Yeah, we're kind of like in the build up uh, month for E3. Yeah. Yeah, which I think we're going to have to have some sort of business meeting to talk about how we're going to handle E3. (laughs) Yeah, that's going to be different this year with stuff being more broken up. Yeah, more broken up. uh, A couple companies aren't even bothering this year. But hey, no, uh, we get a new uh, winner for the worst show in the uh, in the uh, the worst show in the show. No matter what. (laughs) Indeed. All righty. Well. Uh, that's that then for our news topics of the week. Moving on to a quick game night discussion. We didn't do one because of, uh, Stardew. Well, I we technically were... did one because I uh, played Stardew with Jim. We oh. didn't play co-op, but yeah, we sat around and chatted while I went through some more Stardew. Right. So technically, uh, yeah, uh, there was a uh, community night. Nice. 
Well, I didn't play any on Monday night because of reasons, which I won't get into on the podcast. I kind of told you like a little bit about stuff. Mm. Uh, the you, you knew about the lead up to it. Then afterwards, I told you I was very mad. And then I just sat <laughs> and watched Game of Thrones with Katie and unwound. And then I was like, shit, I don't have any food to take for my lunch for work the rest of this week. So then I wound up cooking instead of playing video games last night. But what, you got the house upgrade, got the kitchen. Oh yeah, yep, got that kitchen. <laughs> was making making bacon and hamburger mm. patties. Mm. But well, I'm, uh, I'm thinking tacos tomorrow night. <laughs> well, that sounds good. Soft tacos, uh, of course. But I grabbed the wrong package, so I have uh, giant tacos. So I got the like burritos. burritos. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, technically, <laughs> a, a burrito is just a. A a taco with a roof. Touche. Touche. But so, yeah, we didn't have... Shay. Shay was kind of a jerk. But um, we didn't have an official game club or community game, whatever game. We had game club. We didn't have a a community game night this week, which means that we did not make any plans for a game for next week. So check Discord. I'll be posting something in there tomorrow, as in Wednesday asking for suggestions and might just have to come up with something depending on how much feedback we get from other folks. Yeah. You're still technically on tomorrow. Yeah. So we will, uh, it'll be in discord whenever we get that sorted out and I will paste the reminder in there as I always do either Sunday or Monday leading up to community game night on Monday night. So yay. That's that. Um, (laughs) Which leads us on over to the final portion of the well, show. Well, first, uh, before you do that. Oh, right, right. Uh, if you wish to com- uh, to communicate with us and give us a little bit of feedback or, uh, you know, have a show topic or you know, even contribute to the game club, which is Vault Milestone 1, once again, for the month of May, Podcast at gmail.com or Podcast on the Twitter. Okay, now you may. Well, then let's doobly do on over to the Discovery queue. Yeah, I once again got something pretty much immediately. Okay. What'd you get? I mean, it's God's Trigger. Okay. Uh, slay enemies with speed and precision and over the top blood, uh, show of blood and explosions. Interesting looking uh, right off the bat. Uh, sort of a Smash TV esque uh, point of view. Uh, well, Smash TV, uh, uh, Hotline Miami, that sort of thing. That, that overall, uh, the uh, overhead view. Uh, who made this? Uh, one more level, which I'm not familiar with, but they made Dying Light, so they do have a pedigree. And Call of War is Gunslinger, so yeah, they definitely have uh, some uh, you know good games in, under their belt. It, it looks interesting. I'm so, very... you get anything? Yes, I'm just reading a couple more things on this before I start talking about it to make sure I understand exactly what I'm saying. But this makes me very excited. So this game is called Phase Shift. I'm coming to drop the link in now. Basically, someone who wants to, who misses Guitar Hero, is building an indie game that is basically Guitar Hero. And it looks like it's going to be compatible with all of the old Guitar Hero and Rock Band devices 
but also um, kind of like Rocksmith, how you can plug in an actual guitar to learn how to play. You can play the game with real drums and real guitars. Uh, although it looks like that is a feature that's coming post-launch. Well, it is early access as well. But uh, real to full-range keyboard. Does that mean you can play keyboards in like a piano? Like that type of keyboard? I don't know. This makes me very happy, though. I've been talking recently about games, good games to play for like family game night and stuff that uh, King can learn how to play. And Guitar Hero has come up a couple of times. And but to buy a you know Guitar Hero or Rock Band is outrageously expensive for the whole sort of set because at this point they are old and if you want everything you have to pay out for it and you can't really get the DLC anymore right but it looks like I mean they're saying like fully customizable you can create your own backgrounds and change the style of like the fretboards and things I'm I don't see it in here but I'm assuming that you're going to be able to play your own music or load music into the game that way you don't have to deal with that sort of thing. Um, there might be more information somewhere, but on the store page it doesn't specifically say. But this makes me happy. This makes me very happy. Because, I mean, for, you know, right now you can get it for about 13 bucks. You can buy just a couple of guitars on eBay for about that much. So instead of paying 100 bucks for a set when not even being able to use the full range of songs available, spend you know, 25, 30 bucks tops to get the kit to go along with this game. And then I can just use my entire library of music if I'm understanding how this game is going to be working anyways, or is working, but I'm, we'll be working. yes, this makes me extremely happy. So are you done? <laughs> yeah, I'm done. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I'm not as happy about this, but it looks interesting. Uh, Whispers of a Machine. Whispers of the Machine is a sci-fi Nordic noir that tells the story of Vera, a cybernetically augmented detective in a post-AI world. So sci-fi, cyberpunk uh, detective. That's interesting to me. It, in a point-and-click uh, uh, game. with It uh, looks like some uh, uh, proper investigative uh, going on as well. Or inv- investigative sections as well, because there's uh, essentially a, a, a pseudo law detector uh, section here it looks like with watching a person's, uh, person's heart rate as you question them mm-hmm. looks interesting so I've got another one this one is called Steamcraft but it looks a lot like Robocraft they try to make Robocraft a little more gritty um or like, what was that other one that we played for a while that was like the post-apocalyptic combat truck cross-out. thing? Yeah, this looks like someone took Robocraft and added crossouts, something that was closer to crossouts art style to it. I don't know if this game is going to do anything or not, if it's going to succeed or not. Especially because since it's, it's a, not a free-to-play. I was going to say, it's got a buy-in. So I don't know how it's going to compete with either of those two games, which are both free-to-play. Like, I feel like this game would have to be much better than both of those to even stand a chance. And it's just got mixed reviews right now. I've seen this on Keymailer, 
but I didn't really think twice about it because it's like, ah, it's another Robocraft type game. But since it's shown up in my discovery queue, it's right in front of my face. I suppose if I got it, you know, through Keymailer, I'd try it, but I'm, I wouldn't buy it. So. Uh, here's something that's interesting. And I need to copy and paste over. Okay. This uh, completely depends on uh, the community or possibly getting a good a small group together to play it. Bossguard. Uh, not quite Bossguard because there's no U in it. It's a five uh, versus one asymmetric multiplayer game. Essentially a battle arena where one person's controlling a big bad while the other four are trying to kill it. Yeah, I had this one last week in my Discovery queue. I thought it looked pretty cool. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I didn't recognize it, so maybe I just didn't click on it whenever you talked about it. It looks interesting. It, once again, it all depends on the community. I haven't got anything else yet, so if you get something. Um, I'm getting a lot of trash. I must have clicked on too many of your games. Is this made by the same people? No. Okay. Um, so, Lake Ridden. Getting a link. Uh, this reminds me a lot of Firewatch. I thought for a second maybe it was produced by the same developers. Uh, but it's not. This is their no, first game. Yeah, the. Uh, oh, I just typed Firewatch, Firewatch in. Because I said Firewatch. Oops. Yeah, the Firewatch devs are making uh, Valley of the Kings, isn't it? I'm not sure. The, the first-person Egyptian game? Uh, remember, they were brought by Valve. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. I've um, actually played this. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, it, it I did, remi- I I did mean, a Sunday it... sampling on this ages ago. Or, yeah. or, or, or oh, I must have done it on an early access uh, game, or uh, early access version of it, because this just saw a full release. Oh, no, no, um, sorry, May of... Uh, I, I glanced at the date and uh, thought that. Uh, yeah, I did. I must have did a summary sampler on this because this looks too familiar. It looks like a walking simulator, but they say in the description. Oh, it's no, a it has puzzles. Puzzle in game. It. Yeah, it's a yeah. Uh, first person puzzler. It, it's interesting. It uh, it's there's a definite uh, uh, uh there's a definite amount of uh, almost mist style where there's a lot of hunting around the environment uh, to try to figure out what to do next. Uh, yeah. Like uh, uh, the scene that they have that's in the garden, the screenshot, um, uh, the fourth screenshot, uh, that entire section requires a lot of uh, walking around and finding hidden things in the garden to be able to uh, access it. Overall, it's not bad. Uh, it's definitely a, a niche game. Uh, but it's one of those that I think that there are better of the genre, but there's not a lot that's, uh, yeah, uh, there's not a lot of really good first person puzzlers as well. So yeah, yeah it's one that it's kind of that odd in between because it's also sort of a, uh, a walking sim because there's long segments of, you know, uh, walk and talk. Yeah. And if I recall correctly, there's a pretty decent uh, hint system where uh, you know, if you fail enough, it'll just you know, give you an option to give you a pretty good hint. Like the opening area, I actually ha- I accidentally uh, discovered the answer. Uh, th- I remember this now. That I figured out, I essentially brute forced uh, the beginning puzzle 
because I couldn't find the third clue. And then I was, as I was leaving, I found the third clue. <laughs> it was a safe that it that had a pretty low number of uh, combinations on it. So I got the first two and just brute forced the third. Gotcha. A very spooky atmosphere to it, though. Spooky, spooky. So, I got a visual novel. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, no, calm down. It's not that type of visual novel, most likely. Uh, from the creators of the critically acclaimed Stein, uh, Stein's Gate, Chaos Child. And Stein's Gate was kind of revolutionary in that it was pretty non-linear. There was a lot of... Uh, it was, if memory serves correctly, I actually haven't played it myself. It's one of those... Uh, Stein's Gate's one of those games that people talk about a lot so you know some of the mechanics of it there's a lot of options to make it almost pseudo open world you're able to respond to characters via your phone and open up dialogue options that you otherwise couldn't and plus it was a time travel game mm-hmm. so the fact that this is from them it yeah, puts it a step up already I'm not sure how this ties into the overall story, though. But there's six different endings. Uh, Let me do a quick visual novel database. Because I always do for these. Uh, Chaos Child is uh, viewed as a very long visual novel at the 50 plus hour mark. So that should give you an idea of things. And it looks like no naughty bits. So, uh, Jared just lost all interest. Alrighty. Well, I have one. This yeah. is the last um, one on my list. Yeah, I just uh, the end Occupy of my Mars. Um, this looks like a space engineers type of thing, but according to the description they're trying to be a little bit more realistic you're having to survive on mars rebuild the base um and work on colonizing things like that seems pretty heavily inspired by uh the martian based on just like the opening little intro they're playing for it big storm wipes out the base and then you're sort of repairing and rebuilding um looks like it gets pretty in depth uh well is matt damon's uh uh skinny ass in it not that I see, but it, it looks like, yeah, it gets pretty in-depth. There's a scene where it looks like he's rebuilding a circuit board, um, like, with soldering and everything. Um, some stuff with a rover. Looks like some exploration. Um, it's compare. It's saying it's similar to games I've played, like Kerbal Space Program and Astroneer, so that uh, sounds like a winner to me. Board games like this, Oxygen Not Included, Planet Base, Diesel Surviving Brothers, Mars, the hell? Space <laughs> Haven. How do you uh, like Rim it, World. Elon Musk? What is that? Build your Cosmodrome, construct a rocket, and send it to Mars, trying to withstand difficult economic conditions, bureaucracy, and corruption in Russia. Russia. So is this just like a joke game? Because the, t- the title is How Do You Like It, Elon Musk? Whatever. Is this the first time we've ever stumbled from one Game Club game to another related game that's not... Or not Game Club. 
Discovery Queue game to another game that's not in the Discovery Queue? No. But uh, uh, Occupied Mars does have an interesting uh, river repair, uh, mechanic simulator uh, that's by the same gr- uh, developer. I mean, because I talked about it, I'm going to put it in there. How do you like an Elon Musk? But that looks dumb. I'm not seeing that on here. What? How do you like an Elon Musk? Oh, well, there's now a link. It was in my more like this list, but that's probably sort of randomly generated a little bit based on games with similar tags and things you've played. But anyways, yeah, that's my cue. So technically I got four. Finished mine as well. Cool. Well, then that means it's time for me to say, hey, Rage, hit him with the socials. Oh, well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me over on YouTube, Gaming with Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, being very confused uh, about the existence of the Sonic movie, uh, Gaming with CR, or maybe eventually you can find me on Twitch.tv, Caffeine underscore Rage. And you have been Gaming Psychologist, which you can find me on the YouTubes by searching for Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on Twitter at JMA4707. And if you want to be my friend on Steam, you can send a friend request to jarthur4707. And if you want to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Amish Paradise. Nice. <laughs> yeah, uh, after seeing the Sonic uh, trailer, uh, it's one of those things, yeah, Amish, Amish Paradise would have made more sense. <laughs> I'm not oh. sure about that, but it wouldn't have made less sense. So, no, it would have been a comedy. Hmm. Fair. Maybe we should uh, contract Will Al, uh, Weird Al for uh, doing a, uh, <laughs> a song for this. A quick send in the Patreon dollars, and you could do so. <laughs> well, first of all, uh, email us your song ideas, or you know your letters, voicemails, game related topics, or of course the game club stuff too. VGL podcast at gmail.com or you can just tweet to us VGL podcast on the Twitter. If you want to help to pay for our many, many projects, including things that we'll never do because, you know, it's stupid, you know, like uh, getting a contract for Weird Al, you can do so over patreon.com slash VGL podcast. What our patrons do pay for, uh, uh, though, is our Podbean account, vglpodcast.podbean.com which hosts the show notes, the RSS feed, links to all our stuff, or you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcatcher of choice. Our intro and outro music is is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod, and Dibbly Doo is our Discovery Q music, also by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work over at, at, at Computech.com, and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, buh-bye now. See you next time. Buh-bye. All right. Is this episode 150? Yep. Maybe we should have said something about that. Oh, well.